Welcome to Dual Win Games Episode 5. Today on Table Talk, we talk about our Shelf of Shame. We sit down with Keith from Thunderworks Games. We review Blackout Hong Kong and Altiplano. And we go over our top 10 cooperative games. We are your hosts. Aaron Schmidt. Ryan Gast. Tim Stearns. So, today we're getting a little shameful. Fair enough. Our Shelf of Shame. So... What is a shelf of shame? Well, first off, you have to pardon me. I don't have my little milk and honey voice. No. Morgan Freeman tonight. Got a little cold, so. <laughs> um, on that note, why do I have to sit next to him? <laughs> good call. Uh, that's just how we sit. <laughs> Can we shift a little bit? I'm good. Put him in a bubble. A little bubble boy. Yeah, a little bubble boy. <laughs> um, so shelf of shame. That is. A game in your collection that you have not yet played, basically. Correct. Now, to me, I have to have it for a couple months at least before I really consider it in my shelf of shame. If I have it for like a month and I haven't played it yet, I don't consider it shameful. Is it more shameful if it's still in the wrapping? Oh, yeah. As soon as, I mean, I get a game, I punch it, bag it. Smell it, you know. Smell <laughs> you gotta, yeah, you got to smell the cards. Oh, the cards. Just open the box. you gotta, you got to take a couple sniffs. So this can't be games that you uh, are just getting in the mail, you've only had for a week, and... But you don't sniff your games? Or? Oh, no, that's... <laughs> yeah, he glossed over that. He didn't want to touch that. Well, subject. it's that when you first open Everyone the box Everyone loves smell. sniffing new cards and <laughs> new games. It's like opening a, the car door to a brand new car you open that box and it just hits you the only annoying part is when you're punching it and you got like the uh basically the little dust everywhere oh sometimes when you punch stuff yeah it it's more it's more annoying to me for when when you actually go to punch something and it doesn't fully pop the counter out and mm-hmm. like Oh, and part yeah, it's of got it like rips. the little hanging chad. Well, the hanging chad, yeah, or just, when it starts ripping a little bit, you're like, oh no, no, oh, you just, go for the other side quick. Just and try to super panic mode, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you glue it right away, so that, like, <laughs> and it's like one of three hundred coins or something. Yeah, <laughs> yep. We're we're getting away from the real topic anyway. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, shelf of shame is basically games you own that you have not played yet. Yes. Um, so I have about 150 games, and I have. 10 games on my shelf of shame. Now, four of them are basically games that I got at Christmas or after. So are you counting them or not? I'll list them. Okay. By the time this episode airs, it'll be probably about a couple months. I I don't know. To me, though, if it's in your collection, you haven't played it, it's it's shameful. Yeah, that's why I said I'm counting it. Okay. okay. The day immediately you get it? What if you got something pre-ordered? Is that shelf of shame? Well, it's not on your shelf yet. Okay. But it just, I mean, we'll get to my shelf of shame, but it just, right. it feels gross <laughs> when you don't have a... It's grosses you out. It, a little bit. Why don't you lead us off, Ryan? All right, anyways, <laughs> I have uh, Caverna. I've had that for almost two and a half years. It's been over two years. <laughs> That's shameful. There's not really a good reason for it. I'm pretty sure I'd like it. Um, I've opened up the rule book and read the first seven, eight pages about four different times, and it's not like a bad rule book, but it doesn't really, I don't get excited or motivated to read it, I guess. I'm not motivated enough to play the game, or I just have a different game that I I really need to, uh, to palm through that sometime. <laughs> yeah, it looks cool. 
I uh, got Great, Zimba uh, Great Zimbabwe. That's a splatter game, and I've read that rule book like three times. I've been planning to pick it like on different pick days, but then it just doesn't work out where, oh, this other guy's showing up, or this person can't make it, that type of thing. So it's that's the one that I've actually had planned to pick a couple times, but it just didn't work out with. Didn't you actually bring that to a convention too, or not? I know you were talking. No, about I was thinking about it, but I didn't because. But yeah, uh, vast crystal caverns. That one's hard because it's as completely asymmetrical, where each person plays the game completely different, their own set of rules. So each person would really have to know the rules for their character hmm. type of thing. So that one's kind of tough that way. You'd have to like all sit down and like learn the rules together, kind of thing. Yeah, and we got some people in our group that don't like reading rules. So. <laughs> Can think Who, of a couple. Who's who's that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, near and far, I really got no excuse for. Um, and I did have that one punched. I thought I didn't have it punched, and I was like the one game for whatever reason that I didn't punch, but I actually do. But uh, my wife and I love Above and Below, and I know this is the same thing, but just better, more yeah. game to it. So I really got no reason for that one. That, that's surprising. It, it never made it out on a, a one of our game days either. Well, pick I, it. I'm just... <laughs> 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 I could, but don't put that on me. Um, I got four of the people. That's a two-player GMT uh, Civil War American Civil War game. It's uh, card-driven. I love the theme. I love the American Civil War. Went to a lot of some battle sites when I was a little kid, and it's just a really long game, and it's just two players. So it's I'd have to play either with you, Tim, and we don't play two-player that much anymore, or my brother. Those are really the only options. And we got so much other stuff. We want to do, play Gloomhaven, and mm -hmm. there's all sorts of other stuff that we want to get to the table. That, that does sound like a good one, though. Uh, Sword of Rome. That one is another GMT game. You have to really have four or five players for that game. And that's got a lot of rules to it. That's a card-driven game. It's uh, Italy before it became an actual, just a city-states kind of type thing. I think, actually, with a five-player, it might add Carthage. I can't remember exactly how it worked, but there's certain people in our group that I don't think would uh, enjoy the game. And then, let's see, the last ones I got at Christmas time or after were Imperial 2030, Gugong, Teotihuacan, and My Village. Those ones I've read the rule books on, a couple of them, and I'll get those out pretty soon. Hopefully, I'm not talking about those on my shelf of shame next year. Yeah, I hope not either. So <laughs> I want to play them, <laughs> especially since I missed out on Teotihuacan at Origins. So for me, the two that are most shameful are uh, Caverna and Great Zimbabwe. Those are the two that I really want to get out that I just haven't. Yeah, I, I would still say that the Caverna one is the most shameful for me. I'll give you the rule book if you want. And, uh, uh, you threatened me with that before, so... <laughs> I'll threaten you again. I'm going to hold a hostage. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I've only really got one anymore. Uh, and it's a game that I'd won in a oh, raffle. God. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought he was going to... What? It's what? on my shelf of shame, but I won. No. Yeah. <laughs> How could I have won it? No, I... <laughs> I thought that's where you are going right It's now. one that I won at a raffle... 
uh, at a convention. It's called Ventura by Fantasy Flight Games. <laughs> Is that because it's your only rulebook that's more than, like, eight pages? <laughs> oh, my heart. <laughs> no. That's actually true, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's like 20. But no, I've got a couple that are about that length. You can't count Clank in Space, can you? That's not very long, actually. Okay. That one's only like 10 pages long. Because you knew Clank going in. Yeah. First. No, I think Cry Havoc is kind of up there. Uh, a couple other ones. Um, but no, Ventura... Eh. I read through the rules. It's just so boring. What like, is I just can't. Thing, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just remember being bored by it. It's got, like, diff- like every tile has, like, five different things. I don't so if, if... And the components are lackluster. So if you didn't win the game, you're almost saying there's no chance you even buy it? Oh, no. No, I mean, technically I bought it for, like, five bucks, whatever the raffle was. But, you know... <laughs> And I don't know if I can count these because I literally just got them, but I haven't played them. That's why I brought that up earlier in Raiders of the North Sea, Zooscape, and Dragon Castle. You got Raiders? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. And that's expansion for Takedo, the Crossroads. So I don't I don't know if I should really count those because I don't feel too well, shameful that I didn't play. So they count. <laughs> I, I just would, got them. I would count them. And they're sitting there. I don't know. But that's all I got, really. Ventura, just... I want to play it one time because I might like it, but I just can't seem to get through it. I don't know. Did you say how many games do you have in your collection or not? Oh, uh, well, I've got like 40... Well, now like 44-ish. Okay. So he's doing way better than we are. I got (laughs) 10 games on my shelf of shame. But what's... Well, I get you have that many games but what's the percentage though it's still higher than his he's got only one game one out of four i got 150 so oh so you're really not counting his new stuff oh yeah that's right well he's trying to cheat five out of 44 oh man i get you beat see if you count the expansion for takaido no i don't count the expansion (laughs) just the base game I suppose you want to hear it from me now, huh yeah i guess uh so the first one i got on there uh it's churchill by GMT Games. So did the, you play that solo? I did, but not really. So I, I think in that one, because you have to make decisions in the game on when to well, play I'm, cards. I'm glad it's a game you have to make decisions on. It is. That's a, <laughs> that is a good thing. But, I mean, it's with cards, so it's it gives you a like a bot. And you have to make decisions for the bot? Well, kind of, but... It, yeah, it's it so, tells it tells you like it's not much of a game basically with solo. So I, I played through it to learn the rules is mostly what I did. So I didn't really count it uh, in that one. So you didn't log it as a play. I don't think so. So the reason I think that hasn't come out because I would play it probably with you know Ryan and your brother, but we also have Triumph and Tragedy. Which is another same, World War Two. Same thing. You gotta have three people. Three player game. So it's kind of I, I really want to get it out, but the timing just hasn't been right. Yeah. My next game is part your fault. Yeah, that's Darklight. It's my fault. Yeah, because we both chipped in on the game and yeah. bought it together. It's your, your brother chipped in on it too. He did, but <laughs> he's <laughs> he, not here. He ain't ever coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so, I gave it to you though. 
You're holding on to it. It's on my shelf, yes. So it's on your shelf of shame. But it's like a half. I would count it as like a half. Is in possession nine tenths of okay, the um, <laughs> Isn't that for like I guess drugs? I have 11 games <laughs> on my shelf of shame now. No, a ten and a half. A ten and a half. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the next one would be Dinogenics, just because I, I just recently received it. I set it up last night to play it, and we didn't get around to playing it, so it's still on there. I hate that feeling. It, it's a little sad when you go to bed. You get amped up to play it, and then... Yeah, when you got small, small children at home. Yep. Things change. Uh, the next one's A Feast for Odin. And you give me garbage about Caverna. Yeah, but I read through the rule book, and I'm I'm ready to pick it next pick day. If it works out, I want to pick it. I'm excited to play that. So hopefully soon that'll get taken off. Uh, next one would be Fire in the Lake. I'm sure Aaron's. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see that one getting played. <laughs> Not by him. Uh, and then Founders of Gloomhaven. It was one I got for Christmas. Just, I punched it out. It's sitting there. Just smell it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was cards or no? No, no cards. Okay. It was uh, just punching stuff just, out. Just smelling the chips and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then my final game on there is Treasure Hunters. I believe that's oh, by yeah, Richard okay. Garfield. So, I won it in a raffle last, uh, when was that? Game Hall Con? Yeah, it was Game Hall Con. In November? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. It was November. So I, I wanted a raffle, but uh, punched it out, read the rules, and there it sits. So these raffle games don't really get played then, do they? You no. guys both got a raffle game on your shelf of shame. That's true. Well, it's a game I didn't really want in the first place, you know? I was just hoping for something good. Like, I think Takedo was up there before I got it, and I wanted it. So I yeah. put it in the raffle, and then it was random. Well, it you was random get... what you win, you didn't get to pick. Okay. Yeah, they just put the ticket, the winning tickets out on a game. On a certain game. Yeah. That's that's how I got Treasure Hunters. Yeah. And that's how they usually do it. Yeah, right. right. So, for the record, that's seven games out of 131. So we're all relatively close percentage-wise. Yeah. So before we get to our review of Blackout Hong Kong, uh, I recently had an opportunity to sit down with Keith from Thunderworks Games. So we are going to bring you that interview now. Hey, everyone. It's Tim here, and I am joined by Keith from Thunderworks Games to discuss a few of his uh, upcoming games. And Welcome. Hey guys. Hey, thanks. Uh, so, I guess to start with, one of your more popular games uh, in recent years has been role player. So, if you want to start off talking about that and you know telling us how that plays and the theme, yeah, and everything. sure. Uh, so, role player has been like my, my biggest title so far. Uh, it came out a couple years ago, in 2016, and uh, you know it's it's just uh, entered its fifth print run at this at this point. Has um, done really well for me. Role player is a basically a game about building fantasy characters. So it takes that that night of getting together with your buddies, playing D and D, and like uh, creating characters and like turning that into a game. So like the the original idea kind of came from y y I'm assuming you know assuming that you played uh, some more recent uh, modern board and card games. Like um, I always I always think about like the the game Dominion as being a game that like 
is like a meta game for a game like Magic the Gathering, where it's like in Dominion, you're like you're building your deck, and then in like Magic the Gathering, you're like playing a deck, right? So then I was like, well, what's the equivalent of Dungeons and Dragons? And then there wasn't one. I was like, well, I could make that game. Um, so, <laughs> so that's kind of the, the thought on it. So in the game, you, you have a you got it's kind of high fantasy, traditional high fantasy, like Tolkien esque stuff. And you've got a character sheet that has holes for 18 dice in it. Um, and then over the course of the game, you're drafting a die from the middle of the table each round. And then you get the opportunity to buy uh, a card, which represents weapons and armors and trait and uh, and skills. And then um, once everybody's sheet's filled up with dice, you score like six different conditions to see how well you did and see who made the coolest character. And then, so by the end, you'll have like, You'll have kind of all these descriptors on all these cards, and you'll, you'll have your race and your class and your alignment, and your um, you have what weapons you have, and and like your uh, your backstory as well, and um, you know you kind of are assembling this character over the course of the game, and uh, it takes about uh, an hour, hour and a half, plays one to four players, yeah, and it's uh, I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess the thing I really like about it is you know you're placing dice into your character sheet. But also you can, depending where you place them, how it cha- you can change dice faces or re-roll dice. I think that's pretty pretty clever. Yeah, it's it's at the at, at its core, it's a dice manipulation <laughs> game. That's like the the core mechanic of it. So yeah, you know, the, the idea of like uh, you know, each you know six you know, stats in role player they're called attributes, and they're kind of the classic strength, dexterity, charisma. Constitution, wisdom, intelligence. Did I say that? I don't know. Anyway, so there's, there's the six attributes, and then um, every time you place a die, you know you can take an action, which allows you to manipulate the dice uh, in a, in, a, in a bunch of different ways. So, yeah, is my favorite piece is which that part's cool. But my favorite piece is like so when you select a die, it, it's not a it's not a simple decision. It's not like oh I want to here's the dice out there. I'm just going to take the best one, right? So when you pick a die, you're, you're thinking about a bunch of different things. Like one. What color die do I want? Because the color of the dice in the different slots d- uh, depends uh, matters because of your backstory card or because of your your, your class color. Because if you're a green class, um, you're gonna want green dice because those are worth points, right? Um, and then so you think about the color, you think about the number um, because you know usually high is better, but not always. There's quite a few. St- uh, there's four different in the base game. There's four different cards that support like having low scores, and then um, you don't always want the highest the highest die. And then dice are rolled out each round, and depending on which one uh, you take, it's going to determine your purchase order in the market phase. So if there's a card in the market that you really want, if you take the lowest value die, you're going to get to buy first. And if you take the highest value die, you're going to buy last. So you're going to, uh, if there's one you really want, you might take that low value die so that you can buy buy earlier, right? Um, and then there's also some of those some of those dice come with gold as well. So if you're broke. <laughs> you might want to take a, a lower value. You might not want the highest one because it doesn't have money in it. So you might want one in the middle that's got uh, that extra gold that you need to, to buy the card you really want. So there's a and then and then you're deciding where it goes, right? So that's giving you an action. So there's like this multi-tiered uh, decision-making point in role player. Every time you select a die, it's going to play out your turn uh, very different in a lot of different ways. So that's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> So the base game, you're just building your character. You know, you're doing like, like you had said, the first first night when you play D and D, you get together right. with your group. You're building your character, and that's you know kind of what the game is. So then, uh, what was it last year? You had released an expansion for role yes. player. Yeah. So I, 
the expansion came out in the spring of 2018. So, roleplay is kind of the game that, that I really wanted to make. You know, I, I liked this kind of idea. This, in my mind, like a, a you know the pureness of like you make the character, and then when the character's done, you score. But there's a lot of people who were like, "Hey, I want to do something with this character." Like that's that's <laughs> that's the most common feedback I get from people. Which and even during development, I I, I heard that message. But I mean, you know, as being a small one man organization indie project like that wasn't the game i designed um and i really wanted to focus on that part of it and i didn't have i couldn't add tons and tons of components to the box i needed to keep it pretty streamlined so i had i had all these leftover ideas and then plus there was all these kind of comments of things that that fans of the game wanted to see and the the biggest piece of that is like doing something with your character so uh, in the the first expansion for role player called Monsters and Minions, I add combat. So there's uh, combat dice that you roll against a big a big boss monster at the end. Everybody rolls against it, and they all get points based on how much damage they do. And then um, they uh, there's along the way instead of buying cars from the market, you can choose to go on a hunt, which means you're you're fighting against these little minions. So uh, you're rolling dice against them, and, and you're getting experience points which are a new currency in the expansion. And then, um, you know, you, as, if you kill the little minions, then you get to learn a little bit more about the monster, which gives you an advantage rolling more dice against them at the end of the game. So that's the, the big kind of bullet. The big bullet point is it adds combat with the expansion. It also adds a fifth player. Uh, it also adds, like, a new type of dice that are translucent, meaning they don't help you with any of the things that are looking for colored dice. Uh, but they go between values of 3 and 8 instead of 1 and 6. Those mm-hmm. are called loose dice. Um, and then there's a bunch more character, like race boards and double number of classes and a bunch of new market cards and, and all that stuff. So um, the expansion is actually pretty heavy in terms of the content that it adds. People like it. I think it's cool. <laughs> you know? um, and it's done well for me. Yeah. And then uh, I've, I've got a second expansion coming. Okay. Which will go to Kickstarter. The plan is in May, called Themes and Familiars. That adds um, like a so you get an, a familiar, which basically is another row of uh, slots to put dice that have everybody has their own unique attribute action that nobody else has. Um, and then Themes, uh, the way it currently works is that they uh, they basically make your life difficult, and you get they basically come and harass you, and you can you can banish them uh, if you want. So that they they basically put restrictions on you, and then you can you can remove them if you wish to. So okay, it, it's almost like you're um, you're slowly kind of bringing in more of the role playing elements into role player. Then is is that kind of the route you're going? Or yeah, so I mean, that's, that's definitely true. There's still things that that could that could and probably will be added down the road. Um, but so the the culmination of all this is like there's a, a lot of people who. You know, people were saying, "Hey, I want role player to, I want to play, my, I want to do something with this character that I made in role player." Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Monsters and Minions was kind of like my first answer, which is like, "Oh, you can fight some stuff, but it's, it's still a character making game." And I'm continuing down that line, but I'm also working on a standalone title called Role Player Adventures, in which you can import your character from role player and then go on kind of paragraph narrative focused, kind of okay. choose your adventure style kind of mod character modules that are like maybe 60% like you know narrative and reading and making choices and like 40% like mechanical rolling dice and manipulating dice and like 
moving things on a board kind of stuff. So that's been a project in the work for, for maybe two years at this point. I think um, I was hoping to bring that to Kickstarter in the fall, but the as the fall gets closer, it's feeling more and more like maybe it might be the spring of 2020. Uh, but okay. it's, it's a massive project. Um, I've got four artists all working on it at the same time and two writers, plus I'm doing design. So this is... Um, anyway, yeah, role player, uh, Monsters and Minions, Fiends of Familiars, and then I've got um, there's the Roleplay Adventures title that I t- talked about, which is related to those. Um, but then I have two more games coming out this summer um, that I mentioned that are in the Roleplayer universe mm-hmm. uh, that are not uh, that are stand that are not related to Roleplayer directly, meaning they're standalone. So the first one is um, Lockup. A roleplayer tale, uh, which which is uh, designed by Stan Kordonsky, who's from Milwaukee, to, and and he showed me lockup and I signed it and uh, it was kind of this fantasy prison theme and I was like, well, if we're gonna do if I've got this fantasy world that I'm building with roleplayer and roleplayer adventures, then you know there's no reason to have like a, another fantasy game. We might as well just like connect it to that world. So that was kind of a big process of like trying to do a lot of. You know, we've been doing a lot of world building in the world of role player. So, like, uh, Lockup is a game set. In, you're one of you play as one of the minions from Monsters and Minions, uh, a group of them. So you're the gnolls or the uh, kobolds or the insectoids, which are new, uh, or like the goblins or whatever. And um, you're you're locked up in uh, this prison. So the story is that you know there's there's been this there's this thing called the Dragul War, which these are all like ideas that have been developed as a result of working on roleplayer adventures that people haven't been exposed to yet. But it's kind of like a, a teaser because lockup is coming up first. But basically there's this prison called Culpic Prison that all these um the king has locked up all these uh like basically bad guys, which you are a member one of those. And you have like a, a group of six of your of your members of your crew it kind of feels like a worker placement game in terms of like you put your workers on places, but it's not like you're not excluding other people from going to those places. So it actually kind of feels a little bit like a bidding game in, in a weird way. But basically, um, you're putting uh, your your crew members out in different areas of the prison, trying to get the the like resources or benefits from each area, and each one of your workers has like a, a, a value. Um, so you're trying to, and within each space that you're going to. So if you're going to the exercise yard. And um, whenever you're putting your characters out, you put them out kind of like Stone Age, if you've played that game before. Um, And what you can put as many as you want, um, but once you place there, you can't place there again that round. And then of your six tiles, two of them can be face down, and then four of them have to be face up in a three three to five player game. And then, uh, so you you just are putting workers down in different areas, kind of like Stone Age, and then you resolve them kind of like Stone Age. So it's like in each area... You know, in the exercise yard, the person who has the highest strength is going to get the first player token, and they're going to get, you know, certain resources, and then the people who have the second most are going to get, you know, a lesser version of that reward. So, okay. Um, so you kind of you're collecting resources, you're hiring goons, which give you in-game victory point conditions, and then you're building um, contraband items as well, and then you're you're fighting for the to be to have the greatest reputation, like the toughest crew. And then after six rounds, you know, the, the king comes and, and basically gives the, the toughest crew an opportunity to kind of fight for their freedom in, in, in the gladiatorial arena called the Coliseum of Ashes. So, um, yeah, so like even in Roleplay Adventures, one of the adventures in that game takes place in the prison that Lockup 
is in. So like we're we're doing a lot of like this interweaving of, of narrative of these different games and, and world building. Yeah. Um, cool. So anyway, Lockup will come out to backers probably July, and then it'll be out. It'll be available for Gen Con is the plan. Uh, so that's the beginning of August. Um, okay. It'll be both, both in retail and and I'll have it at the show if if anybody's going to Gen Con, which you know. We can get back to uh, cartographers if you want to. Yeah. Yeah, it's cartographers. Like, so there's this big um, roll and write games are really big right now. Yeah, they boomed. The big resurgence of them, and this kind of falls into that category. So like, clever is big, which just came got a U.S. release this week, but people have been importing the German version for a while. Um, and then Welcome to is, is really big, uh, and this title is by Jordi Adan. And uh, he he's done a couple different roll and write games. So the first one that's coming out is actually from Thundergriff Games called uh, Rolling Ranch, which has some awesome artwork from Weberson and Santiago on it. But I was shown another game that he designed, which is about making fantasy maps or about making maps. He called it Doodle Realms, and I was like, well, this could be a role player game. So it's it's basically everyone has a, it's a it's a flip and write game, meaning there's no dice. Um, okay. So a card gets flipped every turn. And um, everyone is, has their own kind of blank map sheet, and everyone's drawing onto their map sheet based on the card that got flipped at the beginning of the round. So the, there's four rounds in the game. There's, there's, it's over four seasons. Uh, and then it has scoring at the end of each round. If you've ever played Isle of Sky, it has similar scoring to that in terms of, like, there's four. There's, there's 16 different scoring cards, and four are in a game. And it's like... Round one, you're going to score the first two. And this round two, you're going to score the second and the third one. And round three, you're going to score the third and the fourth one. And then round four, you're going to score the first and the fourth one. So, like, at the beginning of the game, before you even start playing, you know how all the scoring is going to work for the for the game. Um, and then it's just, like, planning, uh, like, drawing your... You're just, like, kind of drawing your different... different uh, they're kind of like Tetris shapes. So what happens is a card comes out and it says, okay, you can draw... You have to draw this shape on your board somewhere, and then it has to be either a village space or a farm space or it's kind of like here are two different shapes you can choose from to, to draw and it has to be a water space or whatever so these cards kind of just get flipped out and you're drawing these kind of tetris shapes on your board and then you get each round there's these ambush cards that get added to the deck and if an ambush card comes out like the cobalt attack or something and then what happens is you pass your map to the person to your left or your right depending on what the card says and then they draw a shape as indicated, and, and and you put like little monster terrain pictures on it, and then pass it back. So at the end of the round, each open space next to a monster space is a negative point. So like after people draw monsters on your board, you're trying to like you're kind of prioritizing like, do I want to draw this new forest shape where it's going to give me the most points, or am I putting it in a spot to kind of uh, repair the damage that those monsters have done? Okay. It'll be. Uh, $25, so it's a, it's a less expensive game, kind of a mm. smaller form factor, and uh, I'm going to start taking, I'm gonna I'm not going to do Kickstarter on this, so each one of my projects oh. I've done Kickstarter, this is the first one where I'm not, I'm going to try to do it without Kickstarter, so it's like a smaller game, no Kickstarter, but I will take pre-orders on my website, probably start within the next week, so take a look out for that, but I've got some other stuff coming down, I'm looking at my list of like it's called my projects list. <laughs> um, not everything is role player for sure. So um, I do have, uh, I haven't even started talking about this yet, but um, I did sign a uh, amusement park themed game where everyone's building amusement parks that has some similarities to Baron Park, if you've played that. But um, 
where you're that is probably going to be 2020 but that's from a designer out of, out of chicago uh named nate linhart um it's his it's his first uh signed game so we're all really excited about it actually there's another title that i signed that is historical that is probably more of like a 2020 or maybe 2020 kickstarter with a 2021 release it's, it's basically about the development of an area of new jersey called cape may that's and that area is also known for uh, bird watching, which is a big piece of the game as well. So uh-huh. it's kind of uh, so that's more historical, and so that's kind of down the road a little bit. But yeah, thanks again for joining us. Uh, I know I'm I'm real excited to kind of see what else you guys are going to be bringing out to Kickstarter or even non Kickstarters like we talked about. So thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. If you are curious about any of the games we discussed. With Keith, be sure to check out ThunderworksGames.com. So now that brings us to our first review, Blackout Hong Kong. Blackout Hong Kong is designed by Alexander Pfister. It's published by Eggert Spiel in 2018 and plays one to four players in 75 to 150 minutes. Blackout Hong Kong is a hand and resource management game where players are civilians of Hong Kong trying to restore order and power to the city. The goal of the game is to have the most victory points at the end of the game. During the game, players will be deploying volunteers and specialists to the city to acquire resources to use and trade while also trying to complete different objectives and securing districts within the city to bring order and eventually power. The game will end when a certain number of objective cards have been cycled through. Victory points are counted and the player with the most points is the winner and will surely hold a position of power in post-blackout Hong Kong. Let's get to our final thoughts. What did you guys think of the production quality in Blackout Hong Kong? That's really my big negative on the game. I think the artwork is uh, lackluster. Um, It was done by Chris Williams, and he did the artwork for Coinbra, if you're familiar with that game. Mm -hmm. That one looks incredible, and this one doesn't. The yellow dice, it's hard to see the symbol on if you don't have good lighting. If you have good lighting, it's fine. The board is okay to me. I know some people won't like it, like it a lot less, but it doesn't really bother me much. Yeah, basically, I'm not sure on the art direction of the game with like the card art and stuff like that. Just yeah, not, it could have looked a lot better. It yeah. could have looked a lot better. So I, I get it. You know, they were going for the blackout, the dark theme in mm-hmm. a sense. But man, you look at those cards and they're all like shadowy and just, mm. you know, they don't look great. All the colors are really dull. You look at the board when it's set up, it's real dark, just kind of, just blah. I mean, when I'll you, say after playing it like a couple <clears throat> times, it didn't bother me as much. But right away when you first kind of look at it, you're kind of like, ugh, yeah. type of thing, you know. When you, when you first set it up on the table, when we played that two-player game, that was my thought the whole time. I was like, man, this it just does not look good. Just does not. If I would walk by the table, it would not draw me in. Yeah. It would just kind of be, eh. And you know, they're, they're going for like blackout, the dark colors, yeah, but I like shadowy. It, but, but come on. Yeah, the, the guy did that over for Coinbrown. That just looks incredible. Right. Compared to that. And then, uh, I mean, the uh, player boards are thick. The tokens are nice and dice and all that stuff. But it's just the artwork is. The components I, aren't great. But I did fun. not like the dice at all. 
I mean, they're wooden dice, which are fine, but the sides, they're so hard to see when you roll them. I mean, not even just the yellow one. I mean, for me, the yellow one is the only one in the bad lighting. It's hard to see, like the book and the gas. The other ones are all fine, for me at least. Yeah. I feel like they could have just went with like a different color. For yeah, the, they would have just put dark or black. Like black on, yeah. the, on, the, yeah. on the dice instead of white. Yeah, yeah that's probably it. Because, you know, we were just playing earlier today, and it was, I mean, the same thing. It, we, we had good lighting. You roll a dice, and it's like, mm, what was that? you got to kind of look at it a little closer. You know, it's kind of hard to see. So, I really think the board doesn't look bad at all. I kind of like it. The, the really black, the dark, but the card art definitely is just blah. It looks amateurish. Yeah, it, I don't know what they were going for exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can tell who's who and stuff like that on yeah. the cards, but all you really need on there is like the little cubes that show you what color their card is, mm. and then the iconography. So I thought the board was decent. Kind of like it because it's different than a lot of anything else I've ever seen. It still wasn't. It didn't wow me either. I would say the best part of the components is the player boards. They just didn't go cheap. Then they went with the thicker. Right, which kind of seems to be a trend lately yeah. is thinner yeah. player boards. It just it's disappointing whenever companies now don't have the the thick ones. It's just a cardstock instead of yeah, cardboard. right. And it's I like well, come on. And I right. get it with like the Kickstarter companies. You know, they don't quite fund as much as they'd like, so they don't have the opportunity to get the thicker cardboard cardstock. But yeah. with major production, that's that's not always true, though. I mean, sometimes no. you get them. Yeah, it's kind of a lot of times it's the point of Kickstarter though is getting the nice thick, nicer right. component stuff. Right. But that's yeah, it's right. We're we're looking a little too into it here. <laughs> well, how strong is the theme for you then? Not strong at all. Um, what was that question? I I didn't understand. Oh, the, the yeah. There's it's not there. There's no it's, theme. I no. get what you're going for. <laughs> it's Tim's attempt at humor. Yeah, <laughs> really. I don't know if it was just a, you know, bad on my end or you guys just didn't get it. <laughs> I don't I don't know. We got it. <laughs> we just didn't find it funny. <laughs> but yeah, to Tim's uh, bad point, um, it is a uh, is seamless. You it don't was, feel like you're point, you're bringing power order back to Hong Kong at all. It's just it's a mechanical game. Yeah, you're just playing cards, placing cubes, getting resources, spending resources. I mean, it, it's not it's not there at all. And I'd almost I mean the only thing that makes you feel like you're in blacked out Hong Kong is maybe the art mm -hmm. because the art's so dark. But again, it was, I did not like the look of the board or the cards. So it kind of didn't. So for me, a lot of people online are complaining, like they're comparing Great Western Trail, Mabasa and this. Okay. And they're complaining a lot about this. Oh, it's so themeless. And, but those other games aren't, aren't thematic at all either. Like, Great uh, Western Trail, no. No, when you really get Mabasa, down to it. No, I mean, yeah. to me, none of the three am I feeling the theme at all. I think the artwork in Great Western Trail helps that yeah. a little bit more, whereas, like, Blackout, the but, artwork is not helping. But, yeah, it just... You're not feeling the theme when you move your train back and forth on the... No. No. Train... <laughs> 
I, I don't I, either. So don't I that. agree. I don't think there's any theme here, really. I get what they're trying to do with like the batteries and the different resources. You know, they're kind of just slapping that on to yeah. mask up the uh, the good parts about the game, which is to me the gameplay was just excellent. Each time I've played it, it's just. It's kind of takes some of those things from Mombasa where you're pulling the cards and does a lot of things that he's done before, but new, and it just melts my brain. It's really fun. Yeah, the, uh, the card play is similar, like the discarding and drawing from Mombasa, but it's still it's different and unique. And those two games, I don't know why. I don't know why more games don't do it, but it gives you like something to think about, like, oh what pile do I want to try to get, or maybe I won't play a card here, so I can get more cards in there to complete a different objective, to have the certain colored cards in that stack to complete something. And those checkmark actions kind of remind me a little bit of Great Western Trail with the auxiliary actions, like little actions you can take, you know, little bonuses you get here and there. Not real similar, but a little bit. Yeah, it's... I was surprised how much I liked it. I thought... Like, okay, Alexander Fisser is probably my favorite designer. Like, it's heavier games. And I was going into it thinking, okay, I think I'm going to like it, but I wasn't getting my hopes up too much. Because, like you said, you kind of look at it, and it's just like, it doesn't look that good, you know? But, like, the scouting I really like, the objectives, completing those, it makes you think a lot. Like, okay, I need to get these resources. I need to have this lined up here. I need to have this certain amount of money. And then uh, getting the cubes out to secure districts, and you can kind of piggyback off other people to help score yourself points. And the hospital, I like that. It's kind of a way to color your hand of weaker cards, too, which is nice. And I was surprised. I did not think I would like the dice at all in the game. Because like it's that random factor? Yeah, but the, uh, the dice rolling is mitigated really easily by the trucks, and you can get them whenever you want. You sacrifice a point to get one, but you start the game with a number of them. And a lot of times you don't use them all. And like the rondelle for the resources. I mean, I probably would have rather have had little tokens for batteries, you know. But it was a kind of an interesting way of doing it. It's putting the cubes on there to signify that's what you have, you know. Yeah, that was my first concern looking at the game. Like, our resources are random. Great. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, you just spend the truck tokens to move it to where you want to. Well, then that brings a whole other depth of strategy. Like, well, I got to get more truck tokens because next turn I have to, if it yeah. doesn't go my way, I got to have a couple back. It up. was never so random where you were just like screwed over because at any, you can just lose a point to get right, one, you know, for each truck token. But yeah, I, I agree. I never felt that it was too random. I mean, there are, there were times that we were playing. Obviously, I was hoping for yeah. something, but yeah, you, you know, you're absolutely right. Where you can easily mitigate that die roll, mm-hmm. and then it's you know we're not really an issue because it's you know it's easy enough. Okay, I don't have the dice on the right resource. I'm just going to lose a point, get that truck token, and away you go. So, so when I first saw the game, and you were explaining the rules, I was real worried. Oh, I could just tell by looking at you. I'm like, yep, he's not going to like this. It's going to be for him. <laughs> All I could think of was, oh, man, Ryan's a big fanboy of the designer, and this game is going to be awful. <laughs> <laughs> and the first turn, I had that feeling of, like, uh, just 
it's just too much going on. But I'll be honest, once you get going, once you learn the game, things make sense. You'll begrudgingly admit. <laughs> I will, yeah. Unfortunately, I really liked it. <laughs> it takes, for me, it took everything that I did not like in Mombasa oh. out. It took that out, and it took everything that I liked and threw it in one. I wish, obviously, the art looked a little better. We discussed it earlier, but, yeah. I mean, as far as gameplay goes, that's where it really shines. And then you can overlook the art. You can go through. You know, I, I like trying to figure out where you're going to place your cards and when you're going to place your cards because, you know, you can have it timed out where you're going to pick those cards up and do actions over. And, you know, it, it seemed like a really tight game. You know, the first game that we played, what what the hell was the score like? We didn't score a lot, but it, it, I think I we were think both it varies like, from game to game because it, it's how fast you burn through that objective deck. But it was like yeah. 40, you know, it, mid-40s, it was, but it wasn't real high. Well, yeah, a two-player game, it was real low, and it was really quick, too. I was surprised mm -hmm. how quick it was because I had actions planned out i was all ready and all of a sudden boom the game's over which i didn't mind i didn't feel like it was too rushed and now we played three players it felt longer but i liked it more with the longer play time because i i felt like i had more time to kind you of get, build you up you had to do more yeah of I, your objectives yep, and that type of thing. I, I was able to complete more objectives i had more checkmark actions we definitely had a lot more of the map filled out, too, yep. you know? Yep, we did. We we got rid of a lot more of the search tokens. Yeah. yeah. I yep. think there was one region that we, we didn't had search. Yeah. But otherwise, pretty much everything was searched. We had regions claimed for... Scoring districts. Yep, the scoring districts were, were used up. So, And it was, it was pretty close between all of us. Mm -hmm. And I, I was two coins away from... 17 points yeah. right at the end so it it had that where i was just barely big yeah of a, of a big big hit but yeah it's a lot of fun yeah i agree so who does this game target as an audience um like that uh medium to heavy crowd like medium heavy type euro type gamer they're not worried about Someone who's not worried about theme. They're not worried about it looking pretty on the table, you know. They just want a nice, good mechanical game. Definitely. If you liked the card play in Mombasa, you're going to really like this. Because mm -hmm. that's the main thing of the game. Yeah. I really, like... The more I play it, the more I like it. Like, the objectives are... It's really like a brain tease trying to figure out... Okay, I can complete this objective. Can I complete like two or three in one turn? Mm -hmm. You know, try to like combine them. Yeah, it feels yeah. really good to do that. Mm -hmm. And I, I like how the objectives. Once you complete the objective, it it gives you that bonus. And more often than not, it gives you a bonus of actually placing one of your cubes out on the board to try to claim that district. Mm -hmm. How would you rate this? So I would rate it. Now everyone always asks, well, what do you rate it compared to Great Western Trail and Mombasa? Those are in my top ten of all time. I don't think I'd even compare it to Great Western Trail. No, but a lot of people a lot of people have. 
I, I don't agree with that at all. Yeah, Mubasa, I can see just for the aspect of the the cards, the discard pile. Yeah. But it's still different, and the, the game itself is different. You know what I mean? So, and I don't think it's a fair comparison. But games get compared regardless. Yes. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rate this a nine. I really, really enjoy it, and I think it could even get up to a nine and a half with more plays. I played it a few times at two, a few times at three. I haven't played it at four yet, so I'm excited to try that. Because with the securing the districts out on the board, you can't really, you can't get blocked out. And I like the piggybacking off of the score points to kind of see where someone's going. So yeah, I give it a nine right now, and it's a strong nine. Where I think it could even go up a little bit higher. So I almost see this game as like you ever see those hairless cats? Yes. <laughs> How ugly they are. Sure. But people that have them or that are around them, they love them. Mm-hmm. Right? That's my comparison to the game. <laughs> but so this is your hairless cat? This is, yeah. This is hairless love. This is really... <laughs> this is the hairless cat of board gaming for me. Yeah. All right. But I would, I would rate it around, uh, I would say probably an 8.5. Um... Which is probably hard for you to say, because the amount of saucing I do over Alexander. Yeah, in as much as I wanted to just hate on it, <laughs> <laughs> I could tell when I was like reading the rules, explaining it to you, going through the first round. I'm like, yeah, okay, we just got to go through the motions, template a few times, yeah. so we can review it. I was, I was really thinking, man, I, I, I hope I can just shred this game. <laughs> and it was kind of funny because I could tell by the end of the game you were actually enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> And it hurt you to enjoy yeah. it. It did. It was. <laughs> That's why it was a hairless cat. I, I didn't want to love it. It looked gross, but it's my new friend, and it's good. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm around. I'm around where you're at, Tim and Ryan. Actually, like an eight point five to nine. Um, curious to see what four players will bring. I feel like it'll be a little tighter, almost. Uh, but yeah, I'll I'll, I'll say. 8.75 right now. <laughs> right in the middle. I'm, I am curious to see, like you said, with four, how it goes. Yeah. And then, you know, with more plays, you know, 8.5 is pretty high for me. So I don't know if... I go up or down a little. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if... Um, so I like two. I wasn't, like, crazy, but I still liked it a lot. Yeah. Three was is a little bit better. I don't know how four will be, but... That wraps up our review of Blackout Hong Kong. So let's move on to our review of Altiplano. Altiplano is designed by Reiner Stockhausen. It was published by Renegade Game Studios in 2017 and plays two to five players in 60 to 120 minutes. Altiplano is a bag-building game where players are local inhabitants trying to thrive. The goal of the game is to have the most victory points at game end. During the game, players will be drawing trade goods, resources, and food to place on different action spots on their player board each round. They'll travel to different locations to take the actions there. You may want to produce or mine for goods and resources, build roads, boats, and houses, complete orders, or store goods in your warehouse. The tough demands of the South American highlands are yours to navigate. The player who best utilizes everything at his disposal will come out on top. The game will end when one location is depleted or not enough building extensions remain. Victory points are totaled, and the player with the most is victorious. 
What do you think about the production quality here? I thought it was good for the most part. There's a few component flaws. The uh, bags. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Are you saying that just because they're not the silky <coughs> ones like Orleans? No. Okay. Uh, I was pulling strings out oh, okay. constantly when I'm pulling out like my chits. So that's, that's obnoxious. I mean, yeah, they're not Orleans bags, but uh, the containers, they're always falling apart. They'll, that was so bad. So what what the containers are, you get like a, your little cart. It's basically like when you spend your tokens, when you spend your goods, you put them into a cart. So you never lose them. But that cart, it's it was a cardboard punch out, so it came out of the punch board. And then you basically fold it together. Some of them stayed, but for the most part, they didn't. So <laughs> as we're playing, they're slowly like opening up and like blooming open. Yeah, it's... I it just I had to go through and like glue them all, just so they weren't yeah. getting all jazzed up during <laughs> gameplay. That would be my only complaints about the components. The rest of it's fine, you know. The player board, everything's nice and thick tiles and. Mm-hmm. I like the box cover, you know, the ugly sweater llama yeah. thing, you know, that's cool, yeah, it's, unique looking. Yeah, the, pl- the first player tokens, that llama mm-hmm. shuffling around. Yeah, just make sure you got the right legs on, <laughs> otherwise they're constantly <laughs> falling off. So those are just two, like, minor things that don't affect gameplay, but I like the rest of it, it's fine. Yeah, the, I, I really like the art, I dig that quite a bit. The, yeah, like you said, the bags, the player carts could have been a lot better but other other than that everything's everything's real good yeah i think the art's just fine i mean the colors pop they look nice um the resources their little tokens think like orleans if you played that they're little discs and they look good the artwork's fine uh yeah my only production complaints would be what you guys already said the stringy bags and that's pretty irritating i know you were, you were drawn out and you had like just four strings all over your finger the one time yep. just draping on you like i'll pull these for you don't worry <laughs> well you're supposed to draw tokens but you're drawing strings yeah. Out of bag, yes. yeah so how's how strong is the theme in this one well i think this is uh two reviews we've done where both games are absolutely themeless. Uh, this is about as themeful as Blackout. I, I don't even know what the theme of the game even is. Like, <laughs> of, all, of this game? Yeah. You're traveling the plains of Altiplano, gathering goods. The South American Highlands is what you're traveling, technically. The only reason I know that is yeah. I looked in the rule book for the overview. <laughs> <laughs> but when I played the game, I had no clue what we were doing. You're telling me there's a theme here? No, I'm just... Okay. I, was, I was trying to find anything I could. I know, yeah, no, that's... He's grasping I, I, I could, yeah. I, so, yeah, it's, it's, there's no theme, but... Yeah, I was going to make a bad joke again about not understanding your question, but... That's, yeah, uh, we'll move on from that. We <laughs> <laughs> and if he does bring it up, we can just edit it out, so yeah. we can let him think. <laughs> exactly. So maybe I did ask it. <laughs> The listeners will never know. Okay, yeah, I would agree that there's really... (laughs) (laughs) Where do we go from here? I would agree that there's not really a theme going on, but I don't think that detracts from the gameplay for me, at least. What about you guys? No, it doesn't. You know, it's a mechanical game, solid game. Mm -hmm. So you're asking me what I think of the gameplay. I am. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> well, he did ask you what you thought of the theme yes. away from gameplay. Anyways, <laughs> so I think it's a game, uh, a step up from Orleans. It's kind of more of a medium weight game. There's a little more thinking, I think, going on in it. So it's kind of for it's for your Euro gamer again, who doesn't care about theme. So that's kind of the target audience for this. Would you say that I'm almost the target audience? Like the medium weight Euro, no interaction. No interaction. I guess yeah. Some guy who the only interaction you like is if it's you know it's an Amera trash game mm-hmm. going in, or if it's an area control game. You don't. Mind that interaction. Anything else you hate? Mm-hmm. I don't I absolutely hate everything else like that. But you seem to. So yeah, it, it's a good target for you. <laughs> You're a good target for this game, rather. Yeah, they targeted you. So I like the bag building a lot. I love it in Orleans. I love it in this. You know, it's just fun digging your hand in there, pulling some strings out, also some discs. You know, <laughs> some wild discs. Yeah. And pulling that to take the actions on your board to figure out what works best for you. Um, this one, there's a lot of variety in how to score points. Mm-hmm. I like that. You can kind of take whatever path you want. The storehouse, I thought was really cool. It's kind of like you're culling your deck type of thing. Is putting your goods in your storehouse to score at the end of the game. So it's it's like a good um, a mix. So you want to put goods in your storehouse to score points, but you don't want to do it too early because the, the goods are limited, you know, to, you know. Other people might come in and get empty that resource, so you don't want to just start throwing all your stuff into the storehouse and then run out during the game and then throw off. And so it's kind of a cool: when do I store it? When do I not? You know. Mm-hmm. I like the carts that let, that let you travel further around the board, kind of thing. But it takes a while to upgrade. You know, mm-hmm. and you still got to spend mm-hmm. spend stuff to do that, but it opens up your options because there's what, like five boards, six boards, Something like that. How many areas are there? <clears throat> it's somewhere around there. Yeah, we'll say and, six, but we're, and you can you're only allowed. Sure you guys will correct us. Yeah, you're only allowed so many movement unless you like buy these carts and you can go out further and do stuff like that. Yeah, that, you that's you a cool food to move further. That's yeah. a cool way to mitigate that. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, the orders. They're like contracts or whatever that you got to fill. You know, you send a certain goods or whatever it was, mm-hmm. money and stuff like that. The uh, getting bolts and the building extensions, which are basically extra action spots you have, which is kind of cool. They kind of remind me of, like, the buildings in Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, some of the cons for me, the traveling was just, for me, it was kind of fiddly and annoying. Like, it was never really hard to get where you wanted to go. So, like, why make it? That's the hardest part for people to grasp is the traveling. So why even do that when you can really get anywhere you want most of the time anyways? And sometimes the game felt too long for what it was like it should have wrapped up a little sooner or i think at like higher player counts it felt kind of long like i'd like it at two and three four if everyone really knows what they're doing but two and three i think is a real sweet spot for it Mm. yeah i I could see that for the play length being too long for for what it is and for me it's it's made by the same guy who made Orleans, and it's it's impossible not to compare those with like the bag building and whatnot. And I like both games. I like Orleans better, 
but this is still a really solid game. You're fine if you own both of them. They feel different when you're playing them. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to score in both games. There's a lot of different things to do, but they don't feel the same. Besides drawing the discs out of the bag or the strings <coughs> once in a while, yeah. and then putting them on the action spaces. But the planning, the the brain power that you use is different in this game compared to that one. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, if you like Orleans and you're looking for something that's a little different but that uses that bag drawing mechanic, it'd be something to go for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and really, I I didn't mind the movement part of it. it. It it gave, you know, yeah, it's easy to get to all the locations, but it would kind of throw off. you got to kind of plan ahead to where and when you're going to move to certain locations. So I, I kind of like that part of it. It just kind of added to you know, more of the puzzle of the game, you know, I want to get more of this good or get more boats or complete more tiles, but, you know, what am I going to get there, how am I going to get there, that kind of thing, you know, when are you going to upgrade your carts? So, the consensus seems to be that we like good games, even if they don't have a theme, where the theme's a little abstracted. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh of course he'd go there <laughs> yep. as long as the game is good yes right right yep just want to get that okay did you win this game I don't think so so I obviously hate it <laughs> but it's it's abstract though the theme <laughs> it's themeless it's not abstract that's true the theme is abstracted there's like a th- there's like three different things for a game to be abstract. Uh, everyone compares it to Orleans. How would you guys compare it? I kind of said what I thought. You know, I like I like them both. I like Orleans better, but so I would say it's more. I mean, you could compare. So if you compare Blackout and M- Mombasa, you can easily compare. Orleans. Well, these ones are yeah. more more similar. They're still their own game. Yeah, they're absolutely their own game. So I I think if you're going to compare Blackout and Mombasa, you can easily make the comparison between Orleans and Altiplano. Yeah, they're they are different games, and I think if you know, just because someone likes Orleans doesn't mean they're going to like Altiplano. Not necessarily. Yeah, so you know, there's there's enough differences there. I would, I do prefer Orleans over Altiplano. How about you, Aaron? I would agree with that. I would agree with both of you on that. Orleans is a bit better of a game for me, but like I said before, if you really like Orleans, I think that you would have a good time with this one. Yeah. What kind of rating would you give this? I'd probably give it a uh, a solid eight, maybe an eight and a half. Kind of lands right in that range. Well, maybe if Tim gets that traveler expansion, you know, it might be a solid eight and a half. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So. Could be key. That, <clears throat> yeah, it's still on my expansion neglect pile. So it's kind of like you have a. Uh, it's not your expansion shelf of shame. It's ones that should be in your wish list shelf right. of shame. So it's my expansion neglect pile are they're games that 
I should get, or not games, but they're expansions that I should get that for whatever reason I just have not gotten yet. So. Yeah, that list keeps growing. It does. And that's the gross thing. There's so many there's so many games out there for one. But then they start just pumping out expansions, which are awesome. I love expansions. But it's hard to keep up. So how would you rate it? I would rate it a solid eight. I'm a little lower. I still really like the game, but I'm gonna say about a seven and a half. I think that if I it came out more often might go up. Maybe it's just the strings in the bag. That's what did it for me. <laughs> no, not really, not really. I think if you uh, if you like Orleans and you play it two and three players a lot, I think this is one that you should get. Not maybe with four or five, but definitely with yeah. two and three. Yeah, you know, I can see that. <clears throat> it is it is one that's... I, so it is a game that I, I really want to teach my wife to play yet. We just haven't gotten it out for whatever reason. But uh, so I, is it on her shelf of shame? Man, you know that would be yeah, it would be. It wasn't a game that she picked out though, so would that count or not? You know, it's a game she would probably like. I know it would be because she she really likes Orleans. Shameful, and I yeah, it is shameful. So that wraps up our review of Altiplano. It is now time for our top 10 cooperative games. So, Aaron, when someone says, let's play a cooperative game, what are they talking about? Well, it would be a game where all the players are working together to achieve a goal mutually. Um, now, sometimes those games could have defectors, for my list anyways. Uh, really? You did add... Yeah, semi-cooperative. Yeah. Semi-cooperative. <laughs> Ones I with a chance of a traitor. Chance of, you know, they they get possibly dealt in. You don't know. Yeah, that I spices do. it up for me. You know, I don't always want to play a game that has that. If I'm thinking, play let's play cooperative. But sometimes it's nice to have that possibility of a traitor. Yeah, I didn't include one versus many games, but I did include games that a chance of a traitor. Semi-cooperative games. Same, I didn't include one versus many either. <laughs> I only included straight cooperative games. The purest over here. The purest, yes. Well, it's not a top ten semi-cooperative game list. So if you're playing one of those games and it's not a trader, that's not a co-op for you? No, but there's a chance. So that's what creates it semi-cooperative. So why don't you start us off, Ryan? All right. This list does not have War of the Ring on it. What? So you guys, it wasn't a shoehorn <laughs> here. Uh, Mage Knight is not on it. You can play it cooperatively, which obviously I'm still going to like that. But You're spoiling everything right away. I'm surprised. <laughs> I have it on so many lists already, and you're not working together that much. you got to work together to win. But anyways. You do like combined combat, too. I know, but I didn't include it on the list. I've talked about it enough already. Okay. For a while, at least. But you still brought it up for this list. So you, yeah, no, you I did. talked about it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, co-ops for me, they're usually the best the first two, three times I play them. And then they kind of drop. The semi-co-op games don't usually drop as much just because that's what make those, makes those games is the chance of that traitor. Mm -hmm. But anyways, so my number 10 is uh, Defenders of the Realm. 
That's a fantasy cooperative game. You can kind of look at it as similar to Pandemic, or the newest Pandemic, Fall of Rome. So there's like four different baddies on the map, and they also have their little minions. You're trying not to let the big bads get to the capital city. You're not, you don't want the land to get tainted too much, and you don't want to run out of minions to place. There might be other ways to lose too. But that's the gist of it. And you're the heroes, you're running around, killing the minions, you're doing quests. So there's a little more to it than Pandemic, which I like a lot. It feels more thematic. And you have to basically kill all four bad guys before they get to the capital city. And I like the theme of it. And it's got that old school uh, D&D artwork, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's been... It's been quite a while since we played this one, but every time we've gotten it out, it's been a lot of fun. I never, I don't. You've never played it? No. You should probably pick it soon. You should probably, yeah. You should pick it so I can play it. Hmm. I'll give it to him. That way, it's on a shelf of shame. <laughs> <laughs> My number ten. It was just talked about. Defenders of Rome. Yeah. <laughs> Not much more to say. Just that I think Ryan cheated. <laughs> and looked at my number 10 yep that's the only reason I put it I, like, What's <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna ruin his spot every single game is gonna be a crossover <laughs> <laughs> alright well my number 10 is a little card game where you're collectively trying to put on the best fireworks show that is Hanabi it's kinda got the that party game feel where it's got like social rules like you can't talk about specific cards and you're trying to basically get uh like one through five each color card has one through five and you're trying to get them played down on the table but you have to you can't look at your own hand of cards you're looking at everyone else's and you're trying to get clues from them like oh you have you know two twos or whatever yeah you can like point to specific cards. Because you can either say a number or a color, right, and point to... And then point, yeah. And it's just a lot of fun. It's kind of that light social game that I'm always... I'm usually laughing at. Mm -hmm. It's one of those... Once you get that meta down, you can really kind of gamify it if you play with the same people. But like when you're playing and someone forgets, like, oh, I thought that card was the yellow one or something like that. You know, you got that tomfoolery going on. Yeah, it's actually a pretty difficult game, too. Yeah. Well, in the scoring, how high you have to score is pretty difficult. Yeah. The um, the funny moments are always... And it seems to always happen to me. When... Uh, I, I know it's happened a few times playing with you, Ryan, but you look at the middle card, you point at it, and you you ask me, do you know what this card is? Nope. Just that... When someone has that and glazed, glossy look in their eyes, <laughs> yeah. like, do you know what that is? And they're just like, eh. No. <laughs> like... I told you what that card was. Told Did you, you twice ever? what that was? <laughs> You've never pointed at that one. <laughs> yeah, that's my number 10, Hanabi. My number 9 is a game you recently won. It's a very difficult Ooh. cooperative game, and that is Ghost Stories. And I think you won that because you had uh, Hamhead on your team. Yeah. He was brainstorming it for you guys. Well, it was Hamhead and then one half of the Wet Bandits. <laughs> so... These wet bandits. <laughs> yeah, we should probably... <laughs> we'll explain that a little bit. So we got two guys in our group. 
And they always kind of like team up together, that kind of thing. And they're kind of like the little jokester, knucklehead type guys. <laughs> <laughs> Think of Home Alone, you know, the wet yep. bandits, yep. Harry and uh, Marv. Marv. Yep. So we're playing Bang the Dice game one time. We get through like maybe one round. They're both outlaws and they're both just dead instantly. Mm-hmm. They're dynamiting each other, like shooting each other. They don't know what's going on. They're both dead and you're the only other outlaw yep. left. Yeah, here I was sitting across the table from him, <laughs> looking at these two knuckleheads kill each other. <laughs> yep, they're bandits, and I'm the only other bandit left. So yeah, that's what we mean when we mean uh, wet bandits. But anyways, back to ghost stories. <laughs> it's uh, I like the artwork on it a lot, and the dice that come in the game are awful. Ugh. And I have not played with the ones that you showed them to me last time you were playing. Yeah. So what I did was I actually ordered the upgraded dice from I think Repos production? I don't know. Don't ask me. I should probably look that up. So anyways, (laughs) the the dice that come with the game are awful, but you ordered some that were uh, upgraded dice, basically. Yeah, I I ordered from the company that produces the game. You can go on their website, and I yeah, they're kind of engraved dice. They're not just the little circle dots. Yeah. So, but it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's a game you never feel like you just like we don't have a chance. Like we're just I think it's a game the more you play, the more you realize how valuable some of those actions are that don't look good when you first look at them when you start out playing the game. Maybe someday I'll win. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it was it was funny because when we won it, we were just sitting there like, wait, did we did we really just win this? We must have screwed something up because it was just <laughs> It was a good feeling, kind of, you know, kind of really cool. But, yeah, it looks beautiful on the table. Um, like you said, I like how the you kind of maximize the player tiles and where everything's laid out, working together, fighting off the ghost creeping in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game is hard. So my number nine is ghost stories, huh? also a cooperative a game. fairly hard game. It is... It actually is cooperative, yes. Now, do any of you guys have any, like, easy cooperative games on here? Because to me, I mean, it's just me, but it's not, like, that much fun when you beat it 75% of the time. No, you never want to do that. You know, it's, you want a challenge. Right. Because if you just beat it every time, it's like, that's not a... Sorry, anyways. I mean, I've definitely got some that are easier than others, but... Yeah. Yeah, there's some that, but... Anyway, so my number nine, I I really like the theme of the game, and that's Yggdrasil. That is a Viking Norse mythology. So basically you're playing the Asgard gods defending Asgard, and you got the bad guys slowly moving up the track towards Asgard, and you're fighting them off, and it's been a while since we've played it. But, uh, yeah, I've always always had a good time playing it. I really honestly don't remember playing this. If I had, I it was a long time. Like, back when your brother was in the group. Yeah. Like a long time ago. It's his game. He owns it. Yeah, it's a fun game, though. Mm-hmm. I remember always enjoying it. It's tough, too. Once those <clears throat> the baddies start moving up, you really got to start pushing them back and keeping them at bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because each bad guy has, like, a different special ability. So when they do activate and move, you got to try to fight that. And... All right, well, my number nine is um, 
a game called Mysterium. And it's basically one player is a ghost, and you've got this whole setup for each individual person. They have a different... Um, so each person has a different, basically, death condition that they're trying to solve. And the ghost player is... They're all, all, you're all trying to work together to solve a murder. Who did it, where, that kind of thing. And the ghost player is handing out these dream cards to all the other players. And, you know, think of, like, Dixit or something like that. It's those nice big tarot cards with cool art on them that can be really interpretive. So you're trying to give each player a card that represents the room or person that you're trying to uh, have them solve. And you're trying to work your way up, and you have to beat it before a certain time period. And it, it was just a really cool concept to me, because at first when we played, I'm like, this is cooperative. There's like one guy behind a screen. Like, what is going on here? But then we actually got through playing it, and I was like, okay, that was pretty cool. And the artwork is awesome. Like, I love those cards that force you to be interpretive with the art. Yeah, I like, uh, <clears throat> probably the only part I like about the game is the art. <laughs> I, for me, it was just, I know it's a really popular game, but I was bored. I don't know what's going on. I've never played the guy behind the screen. I think that'd be a lot funner. But we had a bad rules explanation one time we played. That's true. The next time we played, it was just, I don't know. I was like, I'd rather play like 20 other co-ops first. I had fun playing it. I don't think I ever played as the ghost player. It was an interesting, you know, you're trying to figure out why did this guy hand me the card? What's special about this card? Um, you know, it, it can, you know, if, if it's easy for you and you blow right through it and you look at the guy next to you and he's struggling, you know, it can kind of be like, mm -hmm. but I did enjoy the game. I do have a question for you guys, though. Mm -hmm. What, out of all the parts in that game, what do you think is the least important part? Definitely that little crow. <laughs> yeah, the, the crow up top on your the guy that on the screen. The rules to us the first time, which is one of the wet bandits. <laughs> he almost threw it away. He said, "Oh, what's this thing? We don't need that." Yeah, these oh. crows are pointless. And so we're not getting the game, and we're like, let's watch the video. And the first thing out of the guy's mouth explaining is, like, "Now these crows are the most important thing." <laughs> that was good. Well, that's, anyways, that's my number nine. It's Mysterium. My number eight is Legends of Andor. I haven't played this one in quite some time, and I think we actually stopped right before the last mission. Uh, or did we finish the I, last mission? No, because we never fought the dragon. For some reason, I thought we had, like, two more missions to go. But it's fun. I like uh, moving your hero around. And you want to just slay all the monsters, but you can't. If you kill all of them, they're probably going to end up charging into the city and winning because they move faster when you start killing them or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but I remember enjoying it, and it was like a good puzzle mm -hmm. to solve. Yeah, well, so how it works is it's on a time track. So every monster you kill, it ups the story. So, well, there's a time track, so each action you take costs you a certain time, but then also there's, like, a story track on the right-hand side of the board. 
So every time you kill a monster, it ups that story track. So that, that helps progress the story as you kind of go along, if I remember correctly. But yeah, it's, it's a really cool puzzle. You're trying to figure out how many moves you can get to a certain location and try to defeat a bad guy. Or maybe you don't even try to stop the bad guy. Maybe you let him go. Or you kind of, you know, hold off on fighting him because it does shoot up a story, so. It's uh, Michael Manzel artwork, and I think he designed it as well. And that is my number eight, Legends of Andor. My number eight was mentioned already, and that is Ghost Stories. Yeah, so I, you know, we talked about it already, but it's a good game. Check it out. If you want to lose, play it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or get the ham hat on your team. <laughs> yeah. All right, so my number eight is one of two games, I guess, we've kind of discussed it before in a different top ten, and that is Mythos Tales and Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Kind of tend to lean towards the Mythos Tales just because I like the theme better, though I do like the Sherlock theme as well. So is this like number seven and eight, or...? Nope. I'm combining them. Okay. <laughs> they're basically the same game, but one is... Uh, they're just based off of different stories, and one has the time track. Mythos Tales has the time track that Sherlock doesn't. Sound a little different here. <laughs> <laughs> they're way different. They don't play the same at all. <clears throat> You're basically detectives going around trying to solve a mystery, and you get slapped up by the guy who's essentially the narrator pretty much every time. But that's all right. It's still genius, fun. Genius detective that just whoops your butt. Exactly. Now, I know you guys play this a lot, like when it's just YouTube, it's, it's early in game day before people get there. Hmm. The time I played it, it was. I did not enjoy it at all. It was, uh, let's see, there was one, I think there was five people playing. Four or five, and one guy left like halfway through. Your uh, brother had to leave. Yep. And it was like we didn't even finish, or we just got tired of it, and we just like called it and stopped. No, because I think before we s tried to solve it, I think you left. I think is what happened. So then, yeah, it, we started with like five. It just and we took ended so long. And it yeah. was late at night. And it was just like every guy's reading like two pages, and I was just like. Yeah, we we played it at a bad time. We played it late in the night, and we played it with way too many people. I'd want to try it solo or with two. I yeah. wouldn't want to do any more than that, I don't think. Yeah, maybe three if everyone's really into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree. It, it's, it's fun solo. It's good two-player because you're just kind of going back and forth. Bouncing ideas off each yeah, other. Yeah, bouncing ideas. You know, when we got to that five-player count or even four... You could tell there were one or two guys that were really into it, and they were taking notes. Other guys were just kind of sitting around, not fully listening, and just kind of half-baking it. So that's probably where that comes from. And there's so much like little detail in some of the stuff that you got to really pay attention yeah. to. And that's it's one of those things, the people playing got to be into it, most yep. definitely. And I think you're right. Two players probably has been my best experience, and three is still decent. Because, you know, sometimes you get that other brain in there that's like, thinks of something that you two hadn't thought of. The ham head. The ham head. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's... Uh, that's my number eight. Anyways, Mythos Tales and or Sherlock Holmes. So my number seven would be Disqualified from Tim's List. Mm. That is a game with a chance of a hidden traitor. 
that is Shadows over Camelot. I didn't steal your thunder on this one. You did not. So no crying <laughs> for me later. <laughs> you did not. Um, this one, uh, you're playing King Arthur, Legend, and you got Merlin, Guinevere, all the baddies too. And on your turn, you're doing a bad action, and then you're doing a good action. And you're trying to, basically by the end of the game, complete enough objectives so you have more white swords on the table than black swords. And if you do that, you win the game. Uh, what makes it is the chance that there's that traitor, the bad guy, and then all of a sudden, boom, he stabs you in the back and he just starts loading up on siege engines or drawing black cards and doing bad things to you guys. Um, Role-playing is basically half the game in this, where we're all just joking around, laughing, having fun, and making wisecracks. So yeah, that's my number seven, Shadows over Camelot. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I especially like it when you get to when you are that traitor yeah it's tons of fun then because you're just like ah, i'm gonna ruin your day <laughs> and it plays up to six or seven i can't remember what it is but it plays well at the high player count too so yeah it's one of those rare ones yeah this is a really good game it's been a while since we've played it but what i'm gathering from both of you is that it's better when it's not fully cooperative no, it's best when there's a chance that it's cooperative or not. You don't know. Just that thought in the back of your head thinking, is there a traitor or is there not? Yeah, it adds a whole new dynamic to the cooperative aspect. That's really cool. But but again, it's not fully cooperative. But then there are those times when there isn't a traitor, so then it's fully cooperative. But, but it's just as the exciting. Game. Yes, it's just as good because you're thinking maybe there's that traitor. Is he a traitor? What's he doing? And then is you, he going to the lake to just throw, dump good cards? Is he dumping Merlin cards in there? But but again, it's not fully cooperative. I think you're just upset you didn't include it on your list because you had to disqualify <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. No. It's not a little jelly. No. I'm not that jelly. Yeah. I'm... I am jealous about my number seven pick, though, because you already talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> Legends of Andor. Yep. That's all I got to say about it. It's good. It's my number seven. Yeah, this one I still haven't played, but I expect too soon. It's looking like you're uh, just piggybacking off me here. You did, did you even make a list? You just... I just like saying games I did. Yeah. You're going to come out with Camelot pretty soon, even though you DQ'd it. <laughs> when you went to the bathroom, I typed up your list quick into mine. Okay. So, yeah. So, my number seven is a game that also has a possible traitor, um, and that is Dead of Winter, a Crossroads game. And a semi cooperative game? A. Yep, that's perfectly fine. Cooperative game where there is a chance <laughs> for a traitor, so there adds that tension to the game. You're yes. all still trying to work together. A semi-cooperative game. And Emmy reviewed it in, what, the last episode? Yeah, Seven. episode episode uh, three we did. Yeah. So we, we talked about it a lot there. Um, but it, it the main point is that it's a really cool zombie game that's cooperative that doesn't feel like it's just about the zombies. And uh, that's all I'll really say about it. Yeah, it's a good game. It is a good game, just not... All right, my number six <laughs> is uh, This War of Mine. And it, uh, it's very thematic, tells a good story. Well, not a good story, but it engrosses <laughs> you in the story right. of when you're basically people... 
in a country or in this basically city or building that's under attack or in war, under siege. And the storybook is cool because it tells all these little stories of you might run across a kid, you might run across some bandits. Depending on what you do, they're going to react differently. So it's interesting that way. And it was one that uh, really brought me in. That's my number six, this war of mine. Yeah, that's a good pick. I, I've i enjoyed it, enjoyed the plays that I've had. Like you said, though, it is dark theme. You know, it really makes you think about the story itself. The The book of scripts is just huge. I don't even know how many pages it is. But it, it's packed with you know, different <laughs> stories that help drive the theme and help really bring you in. I'd have to play it more to really give a good thought on it. I only played it like once, and it was cool, though. So, yeah, that's my number six, this war of mine. My number six has not been mentioned yet, so I'm a little excited about it. And that is Black Orchestra. Uh, just played it the one time, I believe, but it's kind of a cool theme. Uh, where make Aaron's list. Gotta play it more than once. Yeah, that's true. I haven't even played that once. <laughs> and it's my number one. <laughs> you won that one, bitch. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's an interesting theme where you are trying to work together to take down Hitler and the Nazis. So you're trying, you're working together, you're kind of formulating your plan, you're trying to trigger your plot. So that's kind of a buildup. You're trying to get the right equipment. You're trying to get Hitler in the right location at the right time where you're not, where you, you don't have too much suspicion. And then you're trying to spring your trap. Are you trying to use a suitcase bomb to blow him up? Are you trying to derail a train? You're do, trying to do all this different kind of stuff. And it, it's it's pretty interesting. And we, we won. So maybe that's why we liked it right there. Yeah. Not that I've played it. I've played it with you. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Yeah, it was... Uh... <clears throat> it was cool running around trying to kill Hitler. You know that's always fun. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's a good concept. Yep. All right. So my number six is another game with that possible trader, which adds a new dynamic to cooperative games that is really interesting <laughs> because it can still end up being fully cooperative, <laughs> but you're always worried about it, and you could call one of your team teammates out on being a trader. And if you do, and they are actually your teammate, that hurts. So that is Shadows Over Camelot. And Ryan talked about it. We've talked about it. And it's just a blast every time we play it. You know, tons of Monty Python references all over the place. And uh, when you do that bad action, you're like, I really don't want to do this. Unless you are the traitor, you're like, oh no, I have to do this bad thing. (laughs) Yeah, especially some of those bad things like when... Everyone's gonna leave where they're at. Everything gets discarded, and you gotta go back to Camelot or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, like wipe the slate clean. Yeah. Anyways, that's that's uh, my number six. Unless Tim has something else to jive about it. No, it's just not a forest walker game. Well, when you told us the list, you didn't say top ten fully cooperative games. Well, top ten cooperative games. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, my number five <laughs> is the Grizzled. Um, really fun little card game. It's tough. 
it's got kind of cartoony artwork and whatnot, but uh, you're basically these French soldiers trying to live, survive through the war, and it's uh, you got to get through the deck, basically, and you all have to survive. I think. Yep, you got to get through the. It's called a certain thing, but I can't remember because okay. there's two decks. And what's the the bad things that you get? What are those called? So, during the game, you might get I think they're called traumas or something like that. Basically, these negative effects that your character has, and sometimes you can't talk. Sometimes you can't play certain cards. You know, it always shakes it up and adds a fun element to the game. I don't know. What do you guys think about it? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I like the. You know, obviously you don't know what your teammates have when you're playing cards. So you're just trying to empty your hand of cards, but then as soon as I play something, I might see Ryan start squirming and he's got to back out of the mission. And So it's kind of a cool you know, hand management trying to get your cards out. I definitely like the game. Um, kind of upset I forgot about it because it probably would have made my top ten list. <laughs> you forgot about the I grizzled? forgot about the grizzled and uh, we've played it. I've probably played it like four I, I definitely enjoyed it uh, with like playing the I like how the cards have two different things on them like it's got the background that's got a match and it's got the symbols on it as well uh, like a bullet or what have you type and, of weather or the yeah. yeah and each person has like their little lucky <laughs> ability they can use like once that's pretty cool I like the little speeches you can give oh. sometimes because you basically <laughs> say like a type of card that someone can discard and you just give that speech and then no one discards a card. You're like, yeah, real good speech there. <laughs> Jerk. Great speech, boss. Yeah. You really motivated us. Everyone's fun. pumped up to discard cards yep. and you like pick a item and then, oh. Yep. <laughs> just deflating. So that is my number five, The Grizzled. My number five has not been mentioned yet. And that is Pandemic. So if I was... I'm just kind of lumping them all in. But if I was to pick one Pandemic that I like the best, I would say Pandemic Iberia. I do like how you can kind of create the train route and then use those trains to kind of fast move around the board. Uh, I think it really kind of helps add to the game and kind of helps shake it up a little bit from just regular base Pandemic. So. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite Pandemic is... Uh Probably Fall of Rome. I haven't played it yet. So that always helps. <laughs> but no, I think that one is one I will enjoy the most. Have you played um, Iberia or not? Yeah, we played it once. Okay. I liked it. I probably liked it more than the other ones, just a tad. Just added a little bit to it, not much. Mm -hmm. But I think Fall of Rome is not your typical pandemic, so I think that'll be nice. You're just a big Rome guy, too, so that would be Yeah, it's just... That helps. Most of them just feel the, the same. It's like the same thing with one little minor twist. So it's kind of like the same pandemic with one little twist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I thought Pandemic Cthulhu added a good twist. Obviously, you're not into the theme. Yeah, so that does nothing for me. Right. So that twist does nothing. Right. It was a twist down for you. But I, I did enjoy it. You know, you get the the great old ones that pop up and it helps. And I'm not trying to poop all Jeez. over Pandemic here. I mean, it's fine. I like it, you know, for what it is. It's a great... Intro game, introduce somebody into cooperative games too, and I'll still play it. Mm. But it's like every year they come out with one with. Every year, or twice or three times a year. Uh, 
pretty often. Yeah, I try not to pay attention, I guess. I am also excited for Pandemic Fall of Rome. Yeah, that one it I looks do, really cool. I do want to try that one. Mm-hmm. That one looks good. Yeah. That's my number five. Pandemic. That one does look good, though. Yeah. I'll try that. All right, so my number five is Pandemic <laughs> series, generally. I've played a couple of them, like The Reign of Cthulhu, Iberia, and Regular Pandemic. Uh, I'd like to try some of the expansions like for the base game. I don't really know a whole lot about them, but it's, it's definitely a lighter game, definitely introductory, but it is a lot of fun. I won't go much more into that other than, yeah, I'll probably get Fall of Rome at some point. So which one's your favorite one? I would... <coughs> I liked the twist from the Cthulhu one because I do enjoy the mythos. Uh, Iberia I thought was cool, but thus far I think just even the base Pandemic has been my favorite. It's just simple. The simplest point. Like, what you want to use Pandemic for. Exactly. Getting someone into the hobby and Exactly. Base Pandemic, yeah. Have, I, you, have you beaten Base Pandemic more often than the other versions? Is that why or not? <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> <my> number four. <laughs> I've played it more. Okay. Is not Pandemic, so I'm going to talk about something else here. Okay. And it was not on your list, Tim, because it would be DQ'd, and it was on Aaron's list. That is Dead of Winter. Yeah. I like this one just a little bit more than Shadows Over Camelot. Both are really good, though. I like that chance of a hidden trader just really adds something to those cooperative games, you know. Um, <laughs> I just like the tension when you're going out. Everyone's doing shifty, shady stuff, and that really makes the game, that and the crossroad cards. We talked about it a couple of reviews ago, and Aaron talked about it a little bit, so that's my number four, Dead of Winter. Mm-hmm. My number four is Zombicide Black Plague. Really? Yes. I've never heard you talk about this game, ever. Well, it's my number four cooperative game. Well, I know, I'm just saying, I've never <laughs> heard you, like... I've never heard you say, man, I, I want to play Zombicide Black Plague. It, it's been a while. I, can, I, I don't know what to tell you. I can't get my hands on it, because my brother's hoarding it. No, I'm just... I didn't think you liked it this much, because I've never heard you, right. like, bring it up, hmm. anything. Yeah, I, I like it better than regular Zombicide. You know, it, it kind of adds that fantasy theme into it. You have your fantasy guy, whatever it is, that you're kind of going around with swords and bows and all that stuff. And you're, I don't know, just kind of a, kind of a cool game. So I haven't played this since it came out. We played it a couple times, two, I don't remember, two, three times. Does this have the same thing where there's that one card in the deck where you can't kill that, like, big giant hulking mask guy, Abomination, or whatever it is? They, There is an Abomination, but I don't... Is he easier to kill? Because that was really annoying in, like, the other ones where, oh, you can't kill him unless you have fire and, like, the one... I think that's Dragon's Bile. Yeah, Dragon's Bile or something that's in the game. I think it's fairly similar. It's been so long since we've played it. So I, I can't quite remember, but I think you do need, like, the dragon's bottle or dragon's breath. I always remember that was really, really annoying. Yeah, and that is annoying. Because there's I mean, nothing you can do. Well, there's something you can do about it. You, know? you can sift through 800 cards and hope you don't yeah. die in the meantime. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but 
It's a fun game, though. Yeah. I played it once. I don't really remember anything about it other than it was like a grid movement game and there was doors and barriers and stuff. I, I don't know. I it remember did, it almost more than I do about it. It didn't make an, <laughs> it didn't make much of an impression on me, but if I played it more again, maybe it would be. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad game, but there's just some things that were just annoying. Yeah, I'm not saying it's perfect. That's why it's my number four cooperative game. But now I know I'm jumping the gun here on some of these guys. All right, and that is Robinson Crusoe. I won't go into it too much. It's a big, kind of heavy, cooperative game. There's a lot to it. You're surviving on an island, trying to survive all the tr perils and escape, or survive long enough to escape, basically. But it is a lot of fun every time I play it and make a lot of good memories playing it. Yeah, it's garbage pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. My number three is actually an expansion. And that is... <laughs> Why'd you give me that look? <laughs> I just want to see the light bulb pop up in your head. No, I knew exactly. Uh, that is Orleone's Invasion. So that was the first expansion for Orleone's, and that added a cooperative version. And I like the base game better, competitive game. But I thought it was really cool they could make that into a cooperative game, and it's like a Euro game that is uh, co-op. And everyone's got their own personal goal they have to complete. And then you also have the city where you have to store up a certain amount of goods, money, citizens, just different things you got to do, certain knights on the walls, that type of stuff. Um, yeah, that was a neat twist on the game and uh, shake things up a little bit. A little sh mover shaker for you there, Tim. What do you think of that? A little, little shaking bag? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How's that jive you? I did not add it to my list. I'll spoil it for you. Only because I liked the competitive mode better. So as a cooperative mm. game, though, is it in your top ten? But when I look at Orleans, I think Orleans competitive. You're not answering my question. I did. When you play the game cooperatively, do you like that better than Defenders of the Realm? No, because I always think I could just play it competitively, and it's better competitively. I like it cooperatively. It sounds like you're having a little uh, picker's remorse here. So go ahead. You know, <laughs> oh, three. no. There is no picker's remorse. <laughs> what about you, Aaron? I was just trying to dive into you psychologically on how you felt about my pick. You don't want to do that, because that's... <laughs> you've been kind of hammering us it's, all. It's a very dark place. <laughs> it made my short list, definitely. It got the plus, but not the full asterisk on my oh, sideboard. This guy, too, <laughs> huh? Yeah. Uh... I liked it. It was a pretty cool co-op. But, Tim, I agree. It's better as a competitive. I said that, too. No. Well, that's fair. Yeah. I agree as well. <laughs> but, yeah, it just didn't... I don't know. Didn't make it for me. This guy gets it. I like, okay. I like him more and more. <laughs> Wait till his number one's a semi-cooperative game. That'll really just <laughs> blow your roof off. I'll be even more upset if it's Call of Adventure, though. <laughs> Is that game even cooperative? There's, co there's co-op mode. <laughs> there's a small little variant in the back. It, it was unlocked in the Kickstarter. Okay. <laughs> so, Tim, why don't you tell us your number three? My number three, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be on either one of your lists. 
Aaron made Other Alley's co-op or what? No. By the way, I'm sorry. Uh, longer this episode goes, my voice is just dying. That's fair. He's <laughs> <laughs> like the little engine that could. <laughs> uh, and that's my number three is Gloomhaven. Hmm. Uh, I think I've talked about it a few times before, but uh, kind of a dungeon crawl. You're playing your cards to work your way through the dungeon. You're working together, fighting bad guys, you know, getting loot, working your way through the story. Uh, my wife and I have been playing it and having a good time with it, so that's my number three. How long have you been playing it? Or how far are you through it? Uh, you this for like six months or a year? Not quite a year. Probably maybe six, seven months. But we've played seven or eight games of it. How long is it? Do not you really know. Mm, not real long. I think it depends on the scenario. You know, some scenarios are a little longer than others, but uh, well, I mean, how many scenarios? Like how many games? Oh, may I? I don't even know. Oh, okay. I, I didn't want to flip through and look and get something spoiled by yeah. accident if I read, you know, the title of some of the adventures or something. Yeah, so I didn't even. You'd have to be able to read in order to spoil anything. That is true, but. My wife could give me a hint and then go <laughs> So that's my number three. Go ahead. All right. I think we know why you don't do very good at consulting detective. Your mom had to carry you that one time because she reads it all for you. I know she did. Yeah. <laughs> she had to drop pictures for me, too. <laughs> Ain't ashamed. <laughs> all right. So my number three is a deck building game uh, called Call to Adventure. Yep. Legendary Encounters, <laughs> Predator specifically uh, being uh, the theme that I like the most. I like the Legendary Marvel a lot. Playing that, the the Encounters themes just stick out a lot more to me. And the Encounters, it's a little more cooperative. The Encounters are more cooperative, so maybe that makes up for my semi co-ops in here. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Can't see. I like the Alien one the best. I haven't played the Predator one, but mm -hmm. in the Alien one, can't somebody become an alien? So that's technically not. But he said the Predator one. Oh, I thought he said Encounters. I thought. The well, alien well, one. he said specifically the Predator. Oh, one. okay. But if you play the Predator one as well as the Predators, you can hurt each other, as well. But if you're playing the Would base, that be fully cooperative, <laughs> Tim, or is that past your little? I have not played as the Predator. I've only played as the. Soldiers. You know, the soldiers trying to get off, get to the choppa. Yep. Yep. So. I do think they're a lot better than the Marvel Legendary ones. That's fair. Because those ones aren't even cooperative, anyways, because you actually add up your score at right. the end, which no one does that. It's lame, if you ask me. Well, and with, like, Legendary Predator, there is a possibility only one person wins. You know, you're being cooperative the whole time, healing each other, yeah. but ultimately one person could escape and everyone else could die, and you win. Wait, that happens? Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember that happening, too. Just holding your hand the whole time. <laughs> no, Aaron, you take this health. <laughs> Okay, I'll get on the chopper and leave you then. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. Yeah, there's the predator. Sounds like he's a traitor. <laughs> he should be off your list. It's not on my list, so. Should be off his list. <laughs> I've been trying to say that all along, but you guys won't. See, I didn't like that in Marvel Legendary. I don't even know if we ever even did that where the rule book says, oh, if you everybody wins, 
add up the little points as well. I don't know if I played it with you, but I think when I've played it with my wife, we've done that. I, I think we've done it a few times where if we do, if we lose, then we don't count up points. It's just well, we all lost. We all we're all terrible. But if we do win, typically we do. But I haven't played it with you very much, so maybe that's I've played it like almost five or six times. Not recently, maybe. Uh, maybe no, I played it a bunch. Well, anyways, that's my number three, Legendary Encounters Predator. So my number two is uh, actually featured in our first episode, and that is Spirit Island. Tim's shaking his head. He disapproves, or I stole this thunder. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you were getting tired, aren't you? <laughs> I'm sick, man, all right? I'm yeah. dying here. So... It's a heavy cooperative game, and I enjoy that because you're thinking and you're not just saying, oh, why isn't that guy doing this obvious move like one of the wet bandits? Why aren't they taking out this or that? Mm -hmm. So, And you all really have to work together with your spirit specialties and powers really well. Like, hey, I need, I'm going to blight over here unless you can help me give me these elements or, you know, kill a couple guys here. So... It's one I really enjoy. I think it's very highly replayable, and I like playing all the spirits. It's a lot of fun. And that is my number two, Spirit Island, unless you guys want to say anything. Oh, that's excellent. Tim? Nothing. Okay. You seem a little better. My number two. It was featured in our first episode, <laughs> and that was Spirit Island. Hmm. Yeah. That's how you feel about it. Was my number two cooperative game, so I I feel it's pretty highly rated. I don't know what to say. Yeah, good. I like uh, I like how you you're playing the spirits fighting the uh, the invaders or the colonists, whatever you want to call them, fighting them off the island, helping the Tahan. Kind of a nice deep strategy cooperative game. All right. Well, my number two is not Spirit Island. It is Eldritch Horror. Yeah. Ryan's gonna turn into an old one just listening to me talking about it. <laughs> uh, I've, I've mentioned it on a couple other lists, but... It's a forgettable game, that's for sure. What, what to say about it. <laughs> the theming is so great, and it, with the right amount of players, it is a lot of fun. Each old one plays differently, too. So that adds a lot of replayability. Um, yeah, that's my number two. Eldritch Horror. Yeah, I like the adventure cards when you go to places and you have that little encounter or whatever you want to call it. That's yeah. always exciting. Yeah, it's a, it made my short list. Yeah, I've always had a, had a good time playing it. You know, it does get long with too many people. You know, we've, we've talked about it a little bit before in previous episodes. Yeah, that's the biggest downfall is too many players. Yeah, it's a good pick. So I'm curious, is because I know you love Marvel Legendary. I'm wondering if that's your number one, or if you consider it not cooperative. Because some games you play, you add up the total score, and some games you don't. So do you consider that cooperative or no? Or am I going to find out? You're going to find out. Okay. So my number one, Aaron mentioned before, and that is Robinson Crusoe. Great game. Um, very 
punishing game. You can never do enough. You're always thinking, well, we got to make the shovel. we got to get this uh, palisade up. we got to get some walls. You know, we need a roof. we got some storms coming. There's so much you want to do. And if you want to do all that stuff, you have to spread yourself thin. Then you're going to have these adventures or encounters. And then those cards usually are bad. They're going to go into your deck. And then later in the game, you're going to draw them. And maybe that injury you got is now gangrene or... Those berries you ate, now you're poisoned. Just different things like that. There's always a great story to tell when you play this game. And it's just a ton of fun. Um, worker placement, Euro, fully cooperative game, Tim. Hopefully it meets your criteria. And that is Robinson Crusoe. Yeah, that's a good one. I like the, you know, you're exploring out, you're, you're fighting through each mission. I'm curious, I know we never, we never dug into the expansion for it though. Yeah, we never even played through all of the uh, yeah regular scenarios I think Aaron's going to have to pick it soon okay so we play it again <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm going to be honest I'm going to pick First Martians first because I want to play that really? with you guys see if I actually really like it so you've you played First Martians solo no I played it with my fiance once oh, but the did. entire time was in the rule book so I couldn't tell it's you if I liked it or not. Rule book oh, okay. And for me, that's a big downfall. <clears throat> yeah, because that just takes you out of the... Mm -hmm. yeah. And these games are about <clears throat> theme, too. Like, you know, that's all story-driven. Yeah. And I wasn't feeling it. But. That's First Martians, to clarify. Robinson Crusoe made it on my list, obviously. I think it's pretty good. So, Tim, why don't you hit us with your number one? What do you think my number one is? Robinson Crusoe. Really? Or Marvel Legendary. I don't know if you mentioned either, but honestly, I've been paying attention to you. <laughs> do you even listen to me? Not really. You don't Not care. tonight. You don't even care, do you? I listen to Aaron. I know he mentioned <laughs> Robinson Crusoe and Legendary Predator. So my number one, it has been talked about, and that is Robinson Crusoe. We just talked about it, talked about it before another list. It's very good. And it's uh it's the best cooperative game out there. So Marvel Legendary isn't cooperative, do you? I'm just wondering because no, there is people so that play it like they just ignore that part in the rulebook. Yeah, and, and you just you can play the all win or all lose. But I don't, I don't really look at it as like a cooperative game. You know, if I'm gonna pick a game where I feel like we're really working together. You, okay, you, I, don't, I would, you don't feel like you're actually... You're just kind of playing your own game. You right. Know, working with... Yeah. Okay. You know, because on your turn, there's nothing that you can do. The only, the only thing that you're going to do that's going to affect my turn is you might take out a bad yeah, guy. Very be minor. Before I can... Yeah, so it, it doesn't really feel that cooperative. Okay. Whereas, like, the encounters had, like, the coordinate cards. Yes, there's coordinate cards. Oh, there's cards. Where you, yeah, he's got <laughs> to try to justify it. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but, no, it, he's, he's, he is right, though, because it, yeah. it gives you more cards. There's cards that, you know, help you heal somebody or, you know, stuff like that. So that yeah, because the time I played the Alien one, I really enjoyed that. Like, mm -hmm. I, it felt thematic and tense, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. <clears throat> So that's my number one, Robinson Crusoe. All right, Aaron. D before we... Do you know there was a new edition of that game? Do you know what it changed? I think it was just a little bit of the rule book for the most part. Different artwork, 
a little bit different components, but I don't think gameplay wise it really changed anything. Okay. The gameplay is like pretty much the same. Hmm. It just clarified some stuff in the rule book. Oh, okay. I was never for the most part clear on that. I never really looked into it. But. All right, so my number one is Spirit Island. Uh, I think maybe Ryan saw that coming. Hmm. But yeah, I've talked about it and. Like he was saying where, you know, I need these elements from you uh, in order to do anything this round. Uh, I need you to play these cards. And the game offers that often enough that you feel like you're really doing something awesome. But then when you can't make that, it really hurts. And being that it's such an in-depth game, that's, that's really cool for me. That's my number one, Spirit Island. Something that I found kind of surprising... I was, I'm kind of surprised that Mice and Mystics did not make your list. Well, I don't really like it that much, actually. Really? Yeah. I thought it was alright, and I thought I liked it more at first than I actually did. And I think that was just, like, the good time my fiancé and I were having playing the game. But really, ultimately, like, with the combat and stuff, and it's kind of got that, like, Dungeons & Dragons dungeon delver kind of game feel yeah. and i've <laughs> D, D adventure system where it's just kind of simplistic yeah. and you know it's got some different twists and i thought the story was pretty cool and everything but mechanically uh, just felt meh mm-hmm. yeah after a while <laughs> would it be one that you enjoy playing with her daughter if she got into games and like maybe one of her friends or something like that, or maybe be good for that. Like, well, once they're older and can kind of yeah. grasp that more, you know, at five, what she what she is right now, uh, you know, yeah. we're playing things like terrorize and stuff, you know. and stuff like that. But maybe, yeah, I, I guess I didn't think about it that way. Um, Would it could be good with the wet bandits? Uh, no, <laughs> not a lot is. Yeah, uh, yeah, it just didn't. It just didn't hit for me i guess i when i was getting into games i thought i really liked that kind of system but it in the end there's a lot i would much rather play so that wraps up our top 10 cooperative games or semi-cooperative games according to you guys yep yep they count so before before we go what uh what have you guys been playing recently are you guys anything cool going on you want to talk about? Um, Terraforming Mars Legacy was announced. That's uh, like two years away. They're saying 2020, 2021. And this goes into my other game. Uh, I'm super pumped up about it, but I might not get it. And that is Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth. I'm thinking that follows the same type of thing. It's after event, kind of like Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. Now... That, I'm hoping you can play one-offs, because if it's a campaign, I'm not going to end up getting it, because with our group, it's really hard to play legacy games or campaign games, because we just never have the same people together to continuously play that same game. For me, legacy games, I actually haven't enjoyed the ones I've played that much. We played Risk Legacy, we played Pandemic Legacy, we started Charterstone, I don't think anyone has any ambition to continue that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, I mean, you you hit it right on the head where we, we have our regular game group 
but it's not always you're not always playing with the same people every time. Yeah, same people at the same time. Yeah, so it it's hard for us to get those in in a reasonable amount of time. I mean, we played Pandemic Legacy and it took us almost over a year, didn't it? At least. Yeah. Longer than that even, yeah. And then the only reason why we did finish it is because we started with four and Ryan and I ended up just sitting down and just crushing out as many games as we could. See, I think with legacy games, like if we were all into games and in high school or something, we you know we didn't have families, we didn't have these full time jobs and stuff. We could get together every weekend for like two yeah. days and play. That would be great. Like if you have that situation where you can get on, that might yep. appeal to you. But with our group, if you got that small game group with like three or four people, you know, that always get together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it, we're we don't have as reliable of a group. You know, we all got stuff going on. Mm-hmm. It happens. I could see legacy games working. With me and my wife, where yeah, you know, we would focus on just that game until we get through it, and that's a lot easier because obviously we live together. Mm-hmm. So it's hey, let's play a, you know, first month, second month, whatever the case, however it works out, you know, and just sit and work through it, you know. Yeah, well, and that's like I'm glad you brought up the legacy things because and the announcement for terraforming Mars, which I didn't know about that. That sounds awesome. Um, they have the clink. Acquisitions Incorporated <coughs> Legacy game, which takes Clank, one of my favorite games, or my favorite game of all time, Clank and Space specifically, and then an IP that I really like from does that Dungeons add, and Dragons. Does that add in, uh, what's his name? Name of the one guy? Patrick <laughs> Rothfuss. Does, uh, does that add in Patrick Rothfuss too? Is he part of that? <clears throat> I'm imagining that at some point, because he is a big player in that you're acquisitions and for that then aren't you <laughs> he plays the character you're, you're talking about Viari as his character anyways yeah I'm sure it will but it looks really it's they haven't renounced much about it but the fact that it's a clank and well, acquisitions incorporated those are like thing, two of you, and your favorite author that's like your favorite stuff just balled into one exactly at you exactly and like i talked to my fiance i was like you know i'm really excited about this i know none of the game days are none of the game guys are going to be able to play it if it's legacy but i'm absolutely buying it and we are sitting down <laughs> and playing it that, like, is awesome. that sounds good aaron's going hog wild and he's pumped up about it yep <laughs> can't wait to tell you <laughs> That's cool, though. It's like everything right up your alley just exactly. thrown at you, and you're probably just like, Whoa. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Exactly. <clears throat> if it's like Name of the Wind, I just hope it's more exciting than the book. Wow. All right, before Fist Fight starts here, um, I'm excited for On Mars. <laughs> that kickstarts in April. That is a Metallicerta game, and he makes heavier Euros. I don't know a ton about it, but I know you're kind of building your colony on Mars and other players are doing the same thing. It's kind of like a beefier, better game than Terraforming Mars, I'm hoping. Yeah, I like Terraforming Mars a lot, but this is going to be totally different. So, <laughs> But I like the theme of it. And uh, Madeira and Zanguo, or Zanguo, I'm not exactly sure on the pronunciation. Those are supposed to kickstart from What's Your Game. Some point this year, it could be... By the time this episode releases, it could be end of the year. They're not sure. They're basically making a second edition to both games, some expansions, and they're going to release them at the same time on the same Kickstarter, and those are 
heavier Euro-type games. Or else should we talk about our uh, 10 for 10 challenge that we mentioned last episode? <clears throat> yeah, you can't just leave a cliffhanger and then let them yeah. sit there. <clears throat> yeah, so I'll be honest, I did not come up with any games. Um, <laughs> my 10 for 10 challenge is at the end of the year, I'm going to look and see if I played 10 different games 10 times. And Tim, you could be all salty <laughs> McBitterstein about it, but... No, I'm not going to be salty, because we're a few months into the year already. So, I was going to suggest, for next year, for 2020, we do our own little... 20 games, 20 times for 2020? Aaron's abstracts? No. So, <laughs> so this was the twist I was thinking, because... We were concerned that Aaron was just going to pick all abstracts or call to adventure a hundred times. Mm-hmm. So to avoid that, I could just pick Robinson <laughs> Crusoe a hundred times and lose like in two turns. <laughs> just get himself killed. You could. But my suggestion for next year would be if we all come with, we pick 20 games, but the other two, so Aaron's going to bring his 20 games. And then you and I get to pick the final 10 that he has to play through for that year. So you guys are picking the games that I get to play. You get to make the list of 20, but we get to whittle it down to 10. So you're saying i got to pick up another, like, 10 abstract games. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense, though? Because then at least he's not just picking straight, you know, solo abstract games he could just tear through in a night. It gives a little more incentive it makes sense i'll probably still do it the way i'm doing it well you can if we all agree to do it for the <laughs> i'm not agreeing to it though so i don't understand the... well why wouldn't you for the show i don't want to be forced right. to play games that like you get to pick them i gotta find people to play these games so people don't like playing the games that i don't like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know that all too well <laughs> <laughs> or they don't want to play them ten times. Could be. Like I can swindle my wife into playing the Boston Great Western Trail quite a bit, but if it gets to be I'm playing that 50 times in yeah. two years. It was just a suggestion. We don't have to do it's it. It's a good thought. I appreciate it. Was... it. <laughs> I appreciate you. I'll think about it over the next ten months. He doesn't like it at all. So then do I get I... to pick your tip-up? Yeah. Last 10 games? Yeah, so I would pick... So I'll pick all of your longest, that kind of thing? You could. All right. Because that, that was my suggestion. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do for this year for my 10 for 10 challenge. I'm going to look at all of my games played, see if I played 10 of them 10 times. Whether I might have a couple shorter ones in there, some longer ones, you know, it's just... That's what I'm doing this year, Tim. It's just not as exciting. I'm sorry, I'm not just zipping with excitement for you. <laughs> you don't have to, but, you know... I hate to disappoint you. They announced the uh, expansion for Mystic Veil. Vale. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I edit some of this. But, yep. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I can't even talk. You want me to read it for you? Oh, God. You're getting there, huh? <clears throat> oh, I just thought I could get the flu. I threw my oh. shit. No, I know. So, uh, Harmony was announced. And uh, there's a bunch of expansions. I don't even know how many. But the reason I wanted to tell this mainly is because <laughs> one of the wet bandits, <laughs> I guess this past summer, he came over. 
play some games. He brought Mystic Veil with him. We played a couple games. It's 95 out, humid. His windows are up in his car. It's like the hottest day. Yeah, and I'm going to change my daughter, and he's like, oh, you know, I'll go, uh, I'll go get Mystic Veil. I forgot it in my car. He goes to grab it, and I'm changing my daughter's diaper. And all I hear is, like, this box lid open, and I hear, oh, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> so, in that game, if you're not familiar, it's kind of like a card-crafting deck builder. Your cards you put in sleeves are all made of plastic, and they all melted. <laughs> And they're, like, super crunchy, and, they're like, they're bent all over the place. So he now has a rare edition of Mystic Veil, if you're interested. But I, when I walked out there, the look of, like, just heartbreak, sad on his... It's, like, the one game he has that we kind of all, like, oh, yeah, Mystic Veil. Honestly, it's his best game he has. And it's, like, one of his favorite games, yeah. too. Yeah. So, that's the main reason I want to bring that up. I have a couple other things, but I'll let you guys do some talking first. I'm excited about Dragon Castle. I, uh, okay. You can talk about it. I don't know much Because, Tim, Tim, last time you said you wanted to play some abstracts that you might actually like. And this is one I think you'll actually like. You should check it out. Really? Dragon Castle. So, why do you, why do you think I would like it? Uh, it's got a little bit more going on in it. Um I feel like you will feel like you have more options on your turn. I don't know. I guess I'm just hoping <laughs> that, <laughs> that I can I can sway you on at least one of these. Is that your? Uh, it's one of my goals. Yeah. I was gonna say <laughs> like a New Year's resolution to get Tim to like an abstract, genuinely enjoy it, to where he might pick it. Who knows? Really? Yeah. That. Now I don't know if it'll do it, but we'll see. I I I would be interested to find that abstract. I don't know if it exists though. Well, you like chess. Yes. And that's like the worst abstract, in my opinion. But I I could not tell you the last time I played chess though. That's fair. So it's not like I'm you know, trying to pick it for game days or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, one game that I'm interested in, it's a game by Tasty Minstrel Games, and that's Crusaders Thy Will Be Done. Hmm. So, the interesting thing with that game is you have your action selection. So, when you pick up, it's kind of like the, the Mancala thing, where you pick up your tokens, and you move them around the board. So, when you if you got three tokens on there, when you pick it up, you get three actions of that type and you kind of move them around so it, it's kind of a cool concept um kind of interested in checking that out a little bit more hmm. i saw it on the hotness but i didn't really look into it yeah yeah i looked into it a little bit it looked cool like the uh <clears throat> components and artwork and stuff but the gameplay to me i think looked boring but that's me i haven't played it you know i'll try it out and whatnot but it didn't look like it's something i would be that's, that's the only People one. are definitely geared up for it, though. So we actually have a question from uh, on our guild on Board Game Geek. Ooh, and nice. Invisibro asks, What are our thoughts on the current and future effects of augmented reality on how we interact with board games? There are some who think technology and board games should not mix, 
What do you guys think? To me, there's so many games out there, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. You know, if an app is done right, like Alchemist, it's very minimal, but that, you know, does it. Mansions of Madness Second Edition, I haven't played that, but from what I know, you know, that makes it so you can fully cooperative, and it just does all the, like, the upkeep and the storytelling, kind of. Yeah, and I, I think that's, you know, if, if it's done right, and it's done that way, where it takes away from having one person be, like, the game master, where they have to, you know, make sure they have all the rules down, they gotta set the board up right, not have any mistakes with setting it up, you know, the app runs it, and you're still kind of playing the board game. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think every game should go that route. You know, I'm not here to play mobile games. I, I'm fine with it. And like you said, there's so many games out there. So what if... A handful. Right. So what if, you know, 5% of the games, that's probably yeah. even high. But it, so what if that many games have some type of app integration in it. And that's going to bring in some of these other kids who are super into technology. Oh, yeah. Like, I prefer the tangible board game where I can feel the components, you know, move my pieces on the board. I mean, a game here or there that has an app, I'm okay with it, you know. Mm -hmm. it's not, I'm not going to get all butthurt. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that um, apps that help with the upkeep in the game help speed up the game, actually, with that upkeep and make it so... Uh, anyone can do that is, is a great introduction into games. Obviously, not all games need that. Not yeah. all games are going to have that, and that's fine. So another two good examples would be Sheriff Nottingham. Basically, it, it does the scoring for you. Mm -hmm. You could put all of the, you know, all the cards, how much you score into the app, and it, you know, generates it and spits out your numbers for you. That's cool. Or, um. One Night Ultimate Werewolf, mm -hmm. where it gets away from having one person having to go through and read the rules and when people open their eyes and all that stuff. It's just, you put your rules in, you hit start, they read right through the rules for you. Or the... Alright, thanks for the question. Yes, thank you. Invisibro. Yes. Um, Hidden Gems, what are a couple games you guys think are underrated or underappreciated? So one for me is Prodigal's Club. Mm -hmm. um, I just I don't see anyone playing it anywhere. Like we've talked about before, every game store we go into, it's on like discount. Um, just a good, solid worker placement game. Funny, unique theme, and just how the scoring works is really interesting. Mm -hmm. The first one that comes to mind would be Scoville. You hammer that taste your minstrel drum. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, it, but really, it is though. I I don't hear or see many people talking about it or playing. You'll be excited for Goo Gong then. That is Tasty Minstrel Games, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not sure about Goo Gong yet. Well, what's the matter with that? I'm not going to go into it until I play it. A little designer hate here, Tim. I feel. Was it Alexander? No. I wouldn't say designer hate. The guy who made Hamza. <laughs> <laughs> so not designer hate, designers like worry. Oh, okay. It's worry. But anyways, 
uh, you know, I, I don't hear it talked about very much, and it's I find a lot of fun. We we've played it. Me and my wife played it quite a bit two player. Um, but it's an interesting. Don't play it five player. Theme. Yeah, don't play it five player. Don't play <laughs> or it late. Four player. At least we, not late with four players. We, we played it late in the night, and it, it's a different kind of concept of the game because you're moving your farmer around, and the peppers that you land between, you're basically mixing the colors to get different colored peppers, and then you're cashing your peppers in. I like that one quite a bit. The one problem I have, I mean, we've we played it the wrong times a couple times, but. For how good Tasty Minstrel does their components, what is with the coins in that? They're well, like the size of like a thumb. Yeah, so like, I get it because they made them, you got to hide them behind your screen and the screen's not very big. Make the screen bigger. Yeah, they could have made the screen bigger and then the coins bigger, but I feel like I, I get it, but you're right. It's I like can't even pick them up. I have to like use the tip of my finger, hope it's sticky and put that into my hand. Like give me something to grab. Yeah, there's not much. It's just kind of it's like the worst coins I've ever seen. It's worse than paper money almost. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. I'm going there. That's bold. That is bold. <laughs> have, you, have you seen them or no? I don't remember them. It's yeah, They're sure. literally the size of like an eraser on a pencil. <laughs> eh, they're a little bigger. <clears throat> but the peppers look awesome. Oh, yeah. The rest yeah. of the game looks great. And when you get the, like all the peppers on the board yeah. there and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I like the names of like the different recipes yeah, they're you all make. Kinda, you know? Yeah, a little goofy. You get the little like networks, funny stuff going on. Right. That's that's the other one. Networks. Yes, I think it's an underrated game as well. I think it's rated about right. I don't I, even. I don't. I don't know what it's rated, but I don't. I don't know it's rated either, but I think it's a solid game. That's about it for me. I like it. I never hear about it. Yeah, I think I it's about it a little bit. I think it's a little better than solid, but that's just me. No, I would say Warsaw City of Ruins. Um, I'm the more I play it, the less replayable it feels, though, and that's a worry of mine. Mm. It's gonna get a little samey, and I really think it'd be easy. Well, Tim doesn't have to worry about that. <laughs> he doesn't ever play it, so right? He doesn't right. Have to worry about it being replayable. I think it'd be he really. He wants to worry about it being playable. Yeah, yeah, that'd be the closest. My worry is that you will play it two or three more times, find it unplayable. And I never pick it, and then I just I'll miss out. You can just buy it from me, like you're supposed to do <laughs> yeah, in the first place. It's easily expandable. <laughs> yeah, it it so. would be super easy to make expansions for this game. You know, like add one more category and add new tiles. And I'm hoping they do that. Although it was so overshadowed, I'm worried that it won't. And I really like the game, so that worries me a little bit. The replayability didn't feel like that was a problem. It was. A couple times we played, there's like a runaway leader. Like the last time I played, I think I lapped you guys all almost twice. Yeah. Because like just the engine that I had, and there's nothing you guys could really do to stop that. Mm -hmm. So that kind of scared me a little bit, but I still like it a lot. It's yeah. a lot of fun. And I hope they do come out with an expansion. I know we're going to keep beating that Warsaw drum, but no one else is talking about it. So <laughs> I think time will tell on that game. Anyone else have anything to add? Or? No. All right, listeners, if you want to get in touch with us and ask us something, and maybe we will pose the question on our show like we did for Invisibro, you can email us at dualwindgames at gmail.com. Also, if you are on Board Game Geek, join our guild. We also have a giveaway going on right now. If you join our guild, 
at boardgamegeek.com slash guild slash 3471 and we get 100 guild members by March 8th we will be doing a game giveaway and you can select the game and you can see those games on the guild page and that is boardgamegeek.com slash guild slash 3471 you can also join the guild to uh, tell us how right or wrong our top 10 are Tell us if you think Tim is right and semi-cooperative games should count or not. Um, tell us yours as well or just join in on the conversations. Also, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Dual Win Games. And please rate and review our show on whatever platform you are listening on. That's enough of that. Tim, why don't you tell us what's coming up on our next episode? Thanks, everyone, for listening. Next week on Table Talks, we discuss upgraded components. Are they needed? We review New Frontiers in Azul, and we go over our top 10 deck builders.